Welcome to Very Honored Frater BT's Esoteric Podcast, episode 107, in which I interview my good friend, Joseph Zabinski. Joe has just written a book. Uh, well, actually, he translated the, uh, the Mytho Hermetic Dictionary. Um, so for those of you who, uh, you know, always wished that this was available in English, uh, and if you're studying any kind of alchemical text, you're just getting into something, maybe you watched Harry Potter and they used an unfamiliar word, you can look it up in here and uh, is more information than you could ever possibly need um, as far as alchemical terms, which is very useful if you're uh, interested in alchemical texts. Would you like to introduce yourself? Just let me see. Yeah, my name is Priyo. Priyo is the nickname. Priyal is my name. Priyal Manjari. Fratibiti is my husband. It was like I, I saw myself walking through a through a tunnel. It's an underground tunnel. Both both sides torchlight, old timey, ancient looking, and it was red color. That color inside the tunnel was red, and these flames, a torchlight with flames and then I was walking walking and uh, I was feeling a little bit scared but my heart was full of like compassion mm. I was feeling bad for all these all the painful sounds I was hearing screams of people and it was weird they wanted to touch me to feel better mm. there was a woman standing on the other side of the tunnel and she was she was wearing all black and uh, yeah, and uh, she was, I remember uh, her skin. It was, she was an old woman. And she told me that uh, if you really want to get initiated, if you're ready for this, then step, step on this and uh, come this side. And uh, are you ready? Then only. I said, yes. And then I went to the other side and she told me to eat a piece of raw meat mm. a pink raw meat and she told me to eat it mm. it was it was on a leaf and i took it and uh, yeah and and there was a big tree and there was a white light coming from above like a moonlight mm. and uh, yeah was that it was whole dream was very very intense and yeah strange initiation in dream Fratter, welcome to the Esoteric Nerd Podcast. <laughs> How have you been? Yeah, it's great to see you. It's great to see uh, you. Too. Yeah, I've been, I've been great. I've been, I've been wonderful. How have you been? Oh, good, good. I mean, great. Yeah, it's been a long time. I think it's been sixteen. No, no. The last time we spoke, I asked you to be on the Esoteric Nerd Podcast. So that must have been five years, six years ago, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then the time before that yeah, was sixteen now, years ago. <laughs> right. 
Right. T- time, time is a strange beast, isn't it? Yeah. Do you um, remember meeting me? Do I remember meeting you? I was thinking about it and I don't remember meeting you, but I, I remember before I knew you and I remember knowing you, but I don't remember meeting yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. It when was, was the first time you came out to California at the old uh, warehouse space. <laughs> I, I don't. So the first, the first time that I was there, uh, the first, the first time that I was there, it must have been like 1999, oh, wow. maybe 2000. Okay. okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And and uh, a mutual friend of ours, Nancy, yeah, was the first person that I met there. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? The thing that I remember the most about that trip was her description of the Rose Parade. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, out of out of all the stuff, I flew down. I flew down from Alaska mm. to California, and the Rose Parade was the thing that stuck. Yeah. I think I think it might have been like trip number four or five before okay. uh, before you and I met. Yeah, yeah. How interesting. <laughs> yeah, and like and like we were we were like uh, I think that we were a more obscure presence in each other's lives before that. yeah yeah you know like like through 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 email or through word of mouth or through like just secondhand yeah um yeah but then at yeah. a certain point we started talking and i remember talking like before rituals yeah. and and uh you know outside and after and and this kind of thing yeah. and uh yeah i i yeah. love your mind <laughs> you have a very very hey thanks hey thanks yeah. i love your mind too i like i think i think the thing that you know what i i was just thinking about this the other day the thing that has most like that has most consistently been there in our relationship is like you've always been this you've always been this like like gentle and neutral sort of ambassador um um for 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 both my ideas and your ideas Mm. you know like i and i feel like i feel like that's that's one of your talents edward is that you is that you bring out this you 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 tease you just tease things along and you um you explore thoughts themselves and ideas and ideas themselves Mm. you know um um yeah it's (laughs) it's it's such like an abstract thing to say yeah yeah um I guess, I guess, with, I guess the one I'm trying to say is that you're a wonderful philosopher and you're, <laughs> and you're a good friend, you know, oh, and you. that you just, you bring, you bring that out. Thank you. Uh, yesterday, I think it was yesterday we were talking about, we had a very interesting conversation. I want to see if we can sort of lay it out and maybe talk around it and within it uh, for the viewers, because I think it, mm-hmm. I think it's, uh, you know, not useless. I mean, maybe it's a little bit kind of like abstract. It's not, it doesn't have any solid answers that we can implement today, but it's more of a, on a meta kind of level. We were talking about um, the pol- polarization, especially in the United States, but elsewhere in the world between, usually it's between kind of the, uh, you know, ultra nationalistic and then the progressive uh, in whether it be Pakistan or India or, or US. Um, yeah. And then, and then polarization, especially within the progressive, you know, where the progressives 
you know, seem to divide amongst themselves between this, the uber progressives and then the middle progressives and then the centrist progressives, and then they all kind of hate each other. It's weird. Yeah. Where, where on yeah. the right, on the right, you know, the people who are on the extreme can get along all right with people who are more centrist, uh, you know, maybe for maybe there's more homogeneity in 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 that uh but uh yeah no but we were talking more abstractly about polarization and, and the idea of uh because we were talking i think you were asking me something and i was talking about how it's different in america or looking at american politics especially prior to biden when everything was heating up and nobody could you know look at any direction without hearing about you know the uh darth cheeto <laughs> but uh yeah but uh, yeah, yeah. So, so the polarization, and then I was I brought up Zoroastrianism and the floor of the vault and the Jungian shadow side, and you were like, "Wow, that conversation mm -hmm. took a left turn." And and so I was saying, "No, no. I mean, as far as culturally how we deal with uh, the idea of the other, the idea of the unknown, the idea of the shadow, the idea of evil itself, and the programming that uh, gets uh, you know passed down." either whether if someone's going to Bible camp as they're growing up, or if they, you know, had a grandmother or a great grandmother and some of these sort of puritanical ideas sort of filtered through unnoticed. And so people end up being us versus them about what yoga and being vegan or something. And instead of like, uh, you know, Jesus is the way it's, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Deepak Chopra is the way or something, Oprah is the way, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. And then and then the alternatives to that and what exactly that is and getting back behind that, because most people kind of take for granted that there's heaven and hell, there's good and evil, there's black and white checkers on the floor, right? Um, right, yeah. And there's this, there's this, but I mean, to me, you know, I, I'm really, I'm glad, I'm glad that you brought up, you brought up the floor because the floor, the floor can be it can be interpreted so many different ways, mm -hmm. right? Because I mean, so so first there's this, you know, and, and we've been talking about it so far in terms of this sort of like political exclusivity, mm. right? Where mm. where if you're if you're white, if you're white, then you're white. And if you're black, then you're black. Mm. Um, I'm talking about the, the black and white floor here, right, the right. checker. Right? Yeah, yeah. And um, and there's no there's no great there's no like blending of the two, yeah, right. Yeah. Just you have like, you have these checkers that are very carefully, that are carefully laid out on the floor, right? Mm. But, and there's, and, and by the way, there's, right? I'm sorry, so I, the, the, I everything, everything is at these like, like masculine, oh, I said everything, everything is in squares. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Did that come through? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so like everything's at these like like these like uh, masculine right angles, right? Mm, and it mm. comes from uh, and, it, and it comes from masonry, right? Mm. It, like 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 when you look at when, when you look at Masonic rituals, it's like everything is ultra rigid, right? Like right. everything is even even when people are walking around in the temple. If you've ever been to a Masonic ceremony, mm. um, you'll see like like Great when they <laughs> exactly yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like mm. clockwork they're moving yeah. around, right? Um, and there's this like mechanism, there's this like mechanistic philosophy to it. Hmm. Um, but I, you could see, you could see the floor as this, like, as this expression of division, hmm. right? Hmm. Or you could just see the floor as, um, you could just see the floor as sort of a blending, 
mm. right? Yeah. Because because it if 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 they wanted if if the people who who made the floor wanted to if they wanted to say one thing or the other, they would have made the floor like just black or just right. white. Yeah. Right. They would have made the floor all one color, and it's mm. not. It's mm. it's both the colors at the same time. Mm. Right. And and this and to me, the floor is sort of this. It's a blending of extremes, um, and it's letting both of the extremes exist in the same space, mm. right? And you're standing on this floor, like, like like this is this is the foundation of a lot of of a lot of occult philosophy, mm. right? And and to me, it's this like you're 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 standing you're standing on the integration of the two. Mm. Um, and that, and, but, and the thing is like, like, but it, it goes really deep because it's like, because you're standing on the floor, right? So the floor is like, the floor is two, is two dimensions. Mm. You are the third dimension that is right. rising from. Yeah. Like the cave. Right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. And so you're, you are the integration of these two extremes. You right. are the integration mm. of, of, of this stuff. And so like, and with the red so socks. Like any, then you have you, it's like the the third point, sort of uh, above, unrelated to white or black. It's a third completely different thing. That's the gold that comes after the processes that go on in the black and white. In that sense, right? In the yeah, sense. yeah. And now you're getting you're getting into like the alchemical symbolism of the floor, mm -hmm. right? Where where like you have the black and white work like embedded in the floor itself. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, yeah, you you have um, you have the black and white work in the floor itself, and then mm. you're you're the red work. You're yeah. you're coming up from this, right? Mm. But there's and there's to me there's like there's profound implications there because because what it's saying is that you as a human being are in a unique position, mm. right? To you're you you're in a unique position to sort of to sort of surf the good and the good and the evil. Mm if you dare right, right yeah um to to um to take these two to take these two polarizations of culture mm. and 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 bring them together into into like a living folklore of uh of the magic of human beings yeah yeah Thomas and the Wolf. <laughs> My new book. Sorry. <laughs> it's where uh -huh. I took the two extremes and I brought them together as you were describing. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So the you, polarization, you, the but then so as a magician, they, we always talk about it in Golden Dawn. Uh as a magician, we do these things. We rise up from the polarity. But the problem with the ping pong in the uh the you know among the the exoteric you know the the masses as it were um is that they <laughs> they think that they're good and the other side is evil and I, I and obviously like in the in after world war ii everybody was so high on that drug called we're right and they're wrong you know and we were right yeah. and they were wrong you know but we also were wrong and, you know um in our yeah. own ways but uh but then that has then superman and all that kind of came out of well he was before the war right i i'm not a big comic book guy but i have my new comic book shelf i'm working on it i i uh, but anyway oh. i started with watchmen though i skipped a lot uh so oh. <laughs> so like speaking of watchmen that's like uh culturally we're starting to play with these archetypes 
and explore the dark side of the hero and the light and the good side of the villain. And sometimes you think who you think is the hero is the villain and vice versa. And, uh, yeah. and I think that's constructive. Um, you know, sometimes the hero is the hero, you know, I mean, that's, that's something that, you know, like, uh, hasn't been, it's not off the table for the hero to be the hero. It's just sometimes he's not. <laughs> so that's important to keep in mind. Yeah. Yeah. So, but everybody yeah, thinks I mean, they're the hero. I mean, um, um, it's like the old one, the French and the British. Right, everybody, exactly. Fighting each other in the name of God and, and you know, dear Jesus, help me slay the satanic British or, or French, you know, or whatever. Right, right, yeah. or satanic insert, insert. Insert whatever, here. yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Yeah, and if there yeah. was a religious difference, um, then it could get real weird and people thinking, oh, those other religion, you know, that kind of thing, especially in Europe. Right, mm. right, yeah um um this is this just makes me think about how like so even even in our understanding of spirits we we bring the same polarization there mm -hmm. right and right. but Who and like serve? like exactly mm -hmm. exactly and, and we and and you know just like we were talking about the floor before we we're in a unique position mm -hmm. as magicians right because we have um because when, when you come on the scene, right, like, like when you first, when you're first, usually like when you're first introduced to magic, like there's already, there's already like well-established folklore here. There's already mm. well-established characters, mm. right? You have, um, you know, I mean, and some of these, some of these first characters that you meet will, will, um, they, they run the gamut, right? Um, if, if you're, if you're like a, if you're like a classic Western magician type person then then you're going to meet angels right those mm. are going to be some of your first characters right um and you're going to be you know and you're going to you're going to meet devils mm. um and then and usually like you'll you'll meet but the thing is and and to me like this is this is like a crucial thing is that you also just meet spirits yeah right like like things that don't really fit into any particular place mm. right so, and those, those, and, you know, those, those spirits can sort of, sometimes, sometimes they're like, well, they're members of the dead or they're, or they're saints or, or they're, they're whatever. But, um, but sometimes you run into these spirits that are just spirits. Mm. They haven't yeah. been polarized yet. We yeah. don't know really like, like, like what their motivations are or, right. or, or what, what, what their agenda is. Right. Yeah. But what I'm getting at is mm. that, is that as a magician, you're in a unique position because you have the, you're in the position to allow these, um, to allow these characters that have been polarized for whatever reason, right. Whether it's actually polarized or not. Right. Um, you're in a position, you're in a position to let them do new things, mm. right. To let them, to let them do something that they're, that, that they're not, um, that their folklore does not present. Mm. Yeah. You're in a position to build new folklore with these spirits, you know? Mm. Um, and so you're in a, you're in a position to start to integrate this polarization really like, really like in, in a unique way, because like. You're you're also sort of in this position with human beings, but human beings are so much more complex, stubborn, and retractable. Yeah, right? yeah. Most of them are are bad guys. <laughs> when you get to know them, <laughs> well, I guess they maybe the jury's out on that one. You know, 
like uh no one's yeah. no, no one's yeah. actually gone around with eight billion all eight billion of them and you know given the test or whatever it seems like it it seems uh, no was, people are nice though I, re I remember watching this um what was that oh people are nice generally i i you know i it depends on where you go and kind of what the weather's like you know if it's if the weather's really crappy people are grouchy you know it's just sort of a mixed bag like the floor sure. like the black and white tiles it's a mixed bag <laughs> <laughs> yes right right well yeah i mean i guess maybe that's the best way to understand people right mm. they're mm. a mixed bag yeah um making them making the good candidates for initiation right and the vault <laughs> i talk about the vault on here i hope you don't mind i i've given myself no i don't mind okay uh they uh the floor of the vault is in a way reminiscent of the floor of the Golden Dawn Temple, it, but instead of black and white tile, it has uh, the symbol of Yeshua and then the symbol of uh, Leviathan, basically, the, 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 uh, the various uh, mm -hmm. forms of evil. And so, but the rest of the vaults, I mean, the squares are pretty neutral. You could use Venus of Mars for good or evil, you know, it's like a hammer. But then when you get to the ceiling, I don't know if the word is good anymore, maybe in the biblical sense, God is good, but, but it's, it's, uh, it's transcended the dualities of, uh, of the floor and even of the walls at that point, um, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Although there are still- So there's the, like, mm -hmm. um, uh, <laughs> there's, there's, uh, there's a secret in the floor I mean, it's not, it's not really a secret. It's like, well, it's, it's a secret that's written very plainly. Mm. Right. And it's that it's, it's, it's the, the Yeheshua and the, um, and the Leviathan on the floor together. Mm. Right. Because that's because, but like you said, like you said before, you know, when you have the black and white, you have the black and white tiles in the outer and that's sort of the, um, that's what it's like when you first when you first come on the scene, right? But as as the uh, as the inner Christ is seated and grows, then mm. once you get to once you get to the vault, things have changed. Things are different. Things are more integrated together, mm. right? Mm. That red work has con that red work has continued. Yeah, and just just talking about it now, like I'm starting to realize, like there's a real I never really noticed this before, but there's this sort of inward journey going on, mm. right? Where, where, and, and that journey, like it's sort of, it involves both, it involves everybody, right? That, that journey, it involves the temple. It involves the people who are administering the temple. It involves the, 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 the candidates themselves. Everybody is working together to make this thing happen. Mm. It's this where, where, you know, when a candidate first shows up for initiation there, um, Everything, everything, everything is more polarized, right? And sort of, and but everything's been set up so that so that the red work can start. Yeah. Um. And it, and and in a way, to me, like it sort of it starts with zero zero, right? Mm. It starts it starts with neophyte, and then um, where where and, and I mean it's, it's totally you can see it, it's everywhere in neophyte, right? All this all this polarization, all this all this like you know you know, the, 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 
the red the the fire that lives in the south and then but it's all about reconciling and then the speech of the ma'at is speech of the hegemon at equinox uh you know they're all about i am the reconciler between them and one reconciler between them and so i Mm, I, yeah yeah as a son of a just uh keep your thought you remember your thought put a pin in it yeah yeah so as as, as a son of divorced parents i always felt like uh you know my mom was hated my dad in me my dad hated my mom in me and so i resonated with that you know as a teenager i joined the golden dawn and uh you know first it was i was doing wicca and it was like earth and air and fire and water bind us to you it's very nice but then we get to golden dawn and it's like there are two opposing forces and you must be the reconciler and i'm like Hell yeah, you know, so I'm trying to reconcile Palestine and, and Israel. I'm trying to reconcile, you know, Nazis with, uh, you know, left tubers, you know, and, and all of that. It's like a compulsion. Yeah. But I, I don't know if I'm missing the point. No, uh, yes and no. Uh, so, 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 I mean, I mean, that's, that, that totally is the point that, that, that reconciliation is really... I guess try, really by trying to do it out here, that was what the, they were complaining about back in the day when we were all, all focused on healing Jerusalem. And people were like, you guys are going to heal Jerusalem? Aren't you kind of fucked up yourselves? You know, like maybe you should work out your own issues first. And, uh, you know, but we were like, nope, we have no issues. Jerusalem, we're going to heal Jerusalem, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, um, yeah, that, that, like being a proctor a before you've actually gone through your own alchemy. That was another thing that often happened. <laughs> Just to keep oh, the wheels yeah. turning, you keep the marketing, keep cranking yeah. out flyers, you know, like, okay, you're a proctor, you're a proctor. Yeah, yeah remember that? Mm. Wow, this is awesome. I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> I guess, I guess like coming into this, I, I did not, I didn't really know what we were going to talk about. Well, like, the people who what, know what we're talking about will know what we're talking about. And the other people will be like, oh, yeah. they must have been in some kind of group together. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we were. Yeah, I yes, don't say the name of it, it or, you know, that kind of thing. There was a business end of it, and there was a, and there was a family end of it, and there was a, um, sort of uh, what I will describe as like an initiation end of it. Yeah. You know? um, mm. There were a lot of different pieces of it. But then and, there was a that's... Wizard of Oz thing when you get to the end where you find out that the holy man laying in the, uh, in the in the in the vaults you know that represents your higher self is well anyway <laughs> is is the wizard you know that pay no attention <laughs> to that man behind the curtain with the inappropriately with the sword yeah. you know or whatever he's doing but uh, enough about that yeah yeah i mean i mean that that's that's an interesting topic in itself because mm. because you know we were just talking about polarization mm. there's your polarization right there right right um i got pretty polarized you know, and there is there is <laughs> Yeah, it did get pretty polarized. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking more about the uh, the the point that you brought up that 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 work on work work to fix the outer. You know, we were working. We were working to fix the outer, and there were glaring problems in the inner. in the inner. Yeah. Um, but did that, and you know, did that mean that the work with the outer wasn't successful Mm. did that mean it was like sort of doomed to failure because you have to you have to have everything straight inside before you can get things Mm. straight outside i don't know i don't know what the answer is there i think our our scriptures talk about i mean by our scriptures i'm talking about the western mind kind of loosely speaking like the christian scriptures um paul and shit you know the uh the the church has to be 
fucking perfect, you know, or, or Jesus is going to come down and throw a sword at you out of his mouth and, and expose your dirty laundry in front of everybody. And, uh, and that's sort of the unconsciously held assumption that we have. Uh, I think probably because it started with a man, you know, criticizing the, the established uh, religious organization at the time that was in power in his region. Um, so, so then it became, then when it became the Catholic Church, it's, it's, it's really an, a bizarre thing to look at, actually, historically. It's like there's different phases. When you get to the self-aware, ironic, meta commentary in the scripture about the religion that you're doing that's christianity <laughs> well, that was what that was what that was <laughs> then then yes, now, right. now it's it's spun you know and so when people come up with new cults it's with all of that cultural experience kind of assumed and uh and yep. uh you know and then it's a different thing in india like uh you know I, I, there's like there was a woman who was an osho follower and she uh, decided she didn't like him. He was he was a fraud, you know. So she went out and started her own thing and said, "Come learn how to raise the Kundalini for me." And she got thousands of followers, and they worship at her feet. And then she died, and they have big portraits of her feet. And people will gather together and have feasts and and talk and and play music and look at the picture of this woman's feet, you know. And uh, they, it was funny. I went to this place. I was there, and they were talking about the haunted house next door. And I said to a friend of mine, I was like, actually. I think I think this is the haunted place, <laughs> the place that's full of all these people. You know, like what's going on here? You know, but I won't mm -hmm. say too much about that. They might be actually watching this. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice. It was fun. It was very interesting. And, uh, I don't mean to disrespect other people's culture. Anyway, um, but yeah, in the Western mind, yeah, we want our we want our golden dawns to be the one holy and true church that the, that the Catholic Church never was, or the, 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 the Jerusalem in chapter 22 of the book of Revelation, as opposed to the Jerusalem that we got, you know, whether we're talking about mm -hmm. today or in the past or probably the future. So, mm -hmm. so people get hung up on an ideal, then the thing doesn't live up to the ideal, then they're disappointed and they do drugs. And that seems to be the, the rut that we're in, you know, like as a, as a culture. Yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, I was just, it's, it's funny, it's funny you bring this up. I, uh, this, this just came up yesterday that, that there is an, you know, that there's an ideal and, and we're working towards the ideal and there, there's this idea that we're not, you know, that we're not there yet, mm. right? And that we constantly have to strive to get there, mm. right? And so we, and so we try to, we realign ourselves to the, we realign ourselves to the ideal, but I'm start, I'm starting to think, or I'm, I'm starting to um, suspect that there is that this ideal that we're after. Well, what exactly is it? It's, it's our understanding of what, how things are supposed to be. Yeah. Right. But were you placed here to, you know, were you placed here to have an understanding of the way things are supposed to be and to make this place conform to what you understand it to be? Or is the, is your ideal fundamentally flawed because right. you have, you only have limited content. Yeah. Right. And that in fact, the world that you're living in right now is the ideal already. <laughs> and you have to conform, you have to change yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not really, it's not really a question of enforcement. It's a question of forgiveness. Mm. 
where you have to forgive, where you have to learn how to forgive the world for not being the thing that in your ignorance you believe that it was supposed to be, mm. right? And you have to learn how to forgive yourself for not being the ideal that in your ignorance you thought yourself to be, mm. right? I think that, I think that like, like ideals are, are very much celebrated um, and ignorance is, and, 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 and not ignorance, mysteries are not enough celebrated, mm. right? Why is all this happening? We don't know. Mm. And that's a wonderful, beautiful, and sacred thing that we sort of throw in the trash a lot right. when we say, when, when we say, no, we know how this is supposed to be. This is supposed to be like Revelation 22. <laughs> so we're going to make this just like Revelation 22. Right, right. Oh, it, it, it didn't, Isn't it it didn't a work out. Cube? It describes a board cube, except it's made of gold. <laughs> 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 and then when that, when that thing, does, when Revelation 22 doesn't work out, mm. then like, then it's, it's, it's a wonder, it's a crazy and wonderful thing to see because it's like, it's like, oh, Revelation 22 didn't work out. So now there's this disaster. Right, because everybody's in psychological crisis. Because we'll write it a new book. We'll call it the Book of Mormon. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> so, so that didn't work out, and so like everybody like splinters out, and they and they like try to find a new ideal. They're mm. like, oh wait, we we th this ideal thing does not need to be questioned. But right. Revelation twenty two, we were wrong about that. Mm, it's actually mm. Buddhism. Right, Buddhism is actually. <laughs> my buddhist shelf exactly yeah. <laughs> right 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 so get the nag champa burning because <laughs> we're going to be buddhist because that's that's the right. true ideal you know yeah. and then that just it just keeps going and going and going and going yeah, yeah. um and like Vegan and you're yogurt. you know you come apart and you're splintered again you come yeah. apart uh <laughs> you come apart mm. uh you're put together and you're splintered again put yeah. together splintered again yeah and whenever um, a new movement gains enough momentum then some creep finds a way to get himself at the top of some hierarchy of power and turn it all into shit. <laughs> talking about, uh, you know, Tibetan Buddhism in America with Shambhalaya and talking about, you know, uh, whatever else, yoga, Bikram, all this stuff. I don't even want to name too many names. Yeah, there's always, you know, it always you know what's funny is it, it always happens. And if, if there's, if there's a, um, if there's a devil to be seen here, if there's a devil with a contract, it's usually like somebody that shows up that's like sort of the avatar for this for this ideal, mm. right? And and yeah. they have something shiny to offer you, um, and they're on your side because mm. they they want the same thing that you do, right? yeah. And yeah. so and you should tell all um, your friends, <laughs> yeah, right. And, and so <laughs> exactly. And so there's this like you know, and so like clarity ensues after mm, that. Yeah, and that happens with churches too, or you know, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so what other topics? I think we, we did the polarization. Uh, we didn't solve anything, but uh, I think we clarified uh, to a certain extent. Well, I think, I, I think, <laughs> so I, I've, I've been thinking about that, like, yeah, like yeah. what, how to, like, so if you realize, if you realize that sort of like the jig is up mm. and that, and that, and that even if, you know, e even if you're a classic golden dawn magician, the, the point is not to polarize, the point is to reconcile, mm. right? Mm. And if you understand that the perspective is, 
the perspective mm. is one of reconciliation and that that is the fundamental perspective from which your spiritual practice needs to develop, right? The then, ego can, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, uh, there ends up being a polarization between people who insist that they're integrated and reconciled, or they insist that they're on the side of reconciliation against those other bastards that are on the side of polarization. And uh, right, right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess, I guess, I'm just talking about, I'm just talking about like, like how to apply, how to apply, how to apply the principles of reconciliation to your spiritual practice. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe um, what the order of priorities is because I mean, that should because, be before politics, like uh, like you know, like John Lennon says, before you try to change the world, maybe you should change your mind instead. You know, like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, like you know, and it, because I think I think that this is like uh, even for Golden Donners, like this is this is somewhat this is somewhat uh, unexplored territory. Mm. Um, because we because so many of our uh so many of our rituals are are you know if you look at them on the surface they're still polarized yeah right like take the lbrp for instance i mean that's that's or the tower card initiation it's very polarized we don't like those edomites those edomite fuckers right yeah my god we gotta kill those edomites (laughs) we gotta smite them they 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 are evil itself yeah right right and what's funny (laughs) is the story wasn't the, the the interesting thing is mm. that the attitude is always like 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 we have to smite them because we're doing God's job right. But there's a blasphemy there, right? Mm. Mm. God doesn't need you to do his job to, to do his smiting. God doesn't <laughs> need someone else to doing doing any jobs. Like yeah, yeah. God's doing just fine, mm. like all all by himself, and like. And, you know, like, it's interesting. I, I, I don't want to, you know, because I don't want to say, like, I don't want to say, like, God does not inspire you to do things, because mm. that does happen, mm. you know. Um, but at the same time, I feel like there's a, there's a hubris there. I right? think that pe- people often, too often, when something, uh, you know, uh, resonates with their cognitive bias, then they they call it intuition or they call it uh, divine inspiration or mm. something. So mm-hmm. yeah, and that's that's like a super important mm. point. I don't know where I picked this up, but I, mm. I I figured it out somewhere that inspiration is always weird. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> you don't you don't see it coming, and you if it doesn't make sense it's it's more likely to be genuine right mm. because because i mean like like people are smart like they have they they have these they have a vast unconscious within them right mm. that's mm. constantly putting things together mm. and constantly figuring things out and in fact like you can live you can live a very enlightened life just listening to your dreams just mm. listening to yourself just like yeah. writing things you know just journaling and building a, mm. a, a relationship with your unconscious your unconscious is a very powerful spirit mm. all by itself mm. um inspiration something coming from the outside so, or e- either from the outside deeper in your unconscious i don't know what the answer is there mm. but um Same. when it's when it's inspired mm. 
it's coming from sort of outside your personality. Yeah. And so mm. it's strange. Mm. Um, so when it when it's weird, when it's weird, it's more likely to be coming from the deeps. Isn't there yeah. an old Norse word weird? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what I is love that? Norse words. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, there's either. there's the weird something within me tells me it has something to do with the doom. Hmm. The, so so up. I don't I don't know if it's I don't know if it's I'm speaking in very like general 90s terms <laughs> and I'm not I'm not a Norse right. scholar. <laughs> so yeah, but but there's this idea of the doom, this idea of uh of inexorable fate. Mm. Um, and that's a, yeah, that's a, it's, it's a very important part of, I mean, it sort of, it sort of goes into different things, but it's this like, like this fundamentally important part of, of occultism or, or of my, I guess I should say like of my occultism, mm, mm. um, this idea of the inexorable fate, because if you can, um, discover so if 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 fate were real mm. right if if fate is part of reality if it's part of the real world then if you can develop a relationship with fate um then you're in a very powerful position mm. because you can know what thing what's going to happen before it happens mm. um and the thing is like it seems like you're in a, I, I, sh I should amend that. It seems like you're in a powerful position on the right. circle, mm. Mm. right? If fate exists and if you know the future, then it seems like a great thing to do, right? Mm. But once you actually start to know the future, you start to understand that you have nothing to do with it. Mm. Uh, you are just as much a player in this future as anyone, I should right. say. Yeah, yeah. And so when you... You know, and so like, as you actually understand the future, you understand that you have no power to change the future. Mm. It's just coming, whether, <laughs> whether, whether, whether you want, whether you want it to or not. Yeah. And like, and in that, in that sense, forgiveness becomes way more important. Mm. Um, because because when you see a future for yourself coming that may be dark or maybe something that you find morally abhorrent, <clears throat> forgiving yourself for those, you, you gain the power to forgive yourself ahead of time. Mm. Well, I, sorry, I went off on a rant there. And no, it was, it's interesting. It was a dark it's rant. Interesting. <laughs> there's a I, it reminded me someone said in uh, somewhere in catholicism there's the unforgivable sin of saying i am going to sin and then afterward i'm going to repent and be saved right but that's an unforgivable right. sin because <laughs> <laughs> you knew it was coming and you did but, it anyway but it's like okay if you just cut the subject and make it the direct object then then it's fine <laughs> <laughs> It's fate. Oh, I guess that's what Calvinism is, isn't it? <laughs> I had a um, 
Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and talk about this. Yeah, okay. Uh, so, so what part of my uh, part of my practice nowadays is I work with um, I work with saints a lot, mm. and uh, and there was this one particular saint that was um, someone attempted to assault her, mm. right, and they simply could not. They tried everything that they could. And they couldn't, they just couldn't do it. Mm. And it was this power that the saint had that it, it didn't, it didn't make her a saint, but it made many converts that mm. people just weren't able to do things to mm. the saint. And so I asked, Catherine? I asked her, what's mm. that? St. Catherine? It was uh, St. Justina. Justina. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I asked St. Justina, how did you do that? Um, because it, it's never, it's not really described like how exactly, I mean, like, you know, a, a lot of the time with saints, people just assume like, well, they prayed and then everything right. was fine. Mm. Right. Um, and that's if, true. If it was stage but, magic, then how did you do it? <laughs> or which exactly, God did you bring exactly. to I mean, you So know, just like from a, from a magician's perspective, it's mm. great to go to saints and ask them how they do things because yeah. they have a very slightly different perspective, mm. um, but it's usually very instructive, mm. right? And so I asked St. Justina how she went about this. And she said, I forgave them. Mm. That's all I did. She, her power of forgiveness was such that um, her power of forgiveness was such that the, so, so what, the reason why forgiveness worked for her was because what these other people were trying to do was a sin. Mm. She forgave the sins so completely that they could no longer perform the sin. Mm. Oh, so they just weren't able to do it. Like they would want to hit her, but then they just couldn't. They just couldn't do it. Mm. Exactly. Mm. exactly yeah mm. i can i can imagine that yeah like someone who's you know like in a situation where they're someone's coming to attack them but they just look at them with just a smile just kind of just such a, a genuine from the heart and that the person's like <laughs> like they're expecting them to go right. Right. or something or you know like something to kind of make it a fight you know <laughs> right yeah 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 but they yeah that's it's that's that's sort of true like like i don't know i don't know if you've ever been in the sort of situation where where a fight could have happened mm. um but I've, I've seen it happen before where like somebody wants to punch somebody else but they they can't because they're not in they're not in the sort of culture where they're not in the sort of culture where they are allowed to punch. Mm. Does that make sense? And so, yeah. and so like, like, like if they're, you know, if they're, if they're treated with enough generosity mm. and if they're treated with, with enough kindness, if, if you basically act like their mom, mm. then they won't hit because they, yeah. they, 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 uh, they are not in a culture where they can hit, right. you know, they couldn't forgive themselves if they did. That's yeah, basically yeah. it. Hmm. The yeah i was i was joking with pew because of course you know they had the british occupation times here so they have a very unique uh perspective on british culture and being an american yeah. even though it's very similar i i'm outside of that so that's nice uh, i think if i had been british we wouldn't be together but um so so yeah i was joking about how the british are aggressively polite <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> like you yeah. have to be polite <laughs> you know i mean For not everybody. Right. there's there's the people at the pub of course but you know like generally speaking <laughs> like middle class and so on but uh but yeah um and then what was the other thing that popped into my head when you were talking oh i hate it when that happens oh well anyway <laughs> Like it's the whole civilized animal thing, the the spiritual beast. Mm-hmm. You know, we mm-hmm. still have we still have those every little animal instincts. You know, I mean, of course, we need it to survive. You know, if we didn't have hunger and and jealousy and all of these things and and lust and you know, there'd just be there wouldn't be any humans. <laughs> we that's how you yeah. that's how you exist in this uh, yeah. That, on this that world. brings up something I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to say before there was a. Uh, I, I was watching this documentary about ayahuasca mm. ceremonies mm. and um, and this guy said something in it that's always that stuck with me ever since he said he said human beings are demons that do good <laughs> I mean nice. isn't that great <laughs> yeah it's like nice. yeah, yeah yeah I mean it's this like it's it's, it's embracing both this animalistic nature and the right. and the uh, the moral capability of of human beings Mm. oh what something you said earlier reminded me of uh dogen shobogenzo uh the zen guy since i got my books here i might as well plug books i recommend this and there's uh four volumes i was just gonna ask yeah yeah he was gonna say uh or he said uh at one point that the great some of the greatest masters in buddhism never read a sutra never heard a sutra but they learned how to read the sutra in the river and in the leaves and in the wind and just by observing they received all of the wisdom you know so yeah i mean that's that kind of thing like like you were talking about um i forget what you were talking about but it reminded me of that (laughs) that you know so i mean yeah yeah, it's a more. I, I feel like I feel like like after a while, you and I just start to riff. Yeah. And then <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to describe it. It becomes like this artistic. It just becomes an artistic presentation, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dogen, uh, he he. Uh, I I have I told this story on the Esoteric Nerd recently. I'm just trying to think if I'm going to bore my audience. Um, I won't go too deep into it. Okay, Dogen, when uh, when he was little, he was. Uh, Pure Land Buddhist, Pure Land Buddhist, at least that particular, you know, to sit to oversimplify, vastly oversimplify. They believe that if they chant to Amitabha, the uh, Red Buddha in the East, every day, is he in the East? Have I got it? Why he's in the he's in the West, but he's red. Um, uh, then uh, then they'll go to the Pure Land after they die, and the Pure Land is sort of like. The pure land is to heaven what purgatory is to hell, <laughs> kind of. Oh, um, okay. It's like a, it's a place where you can meditate in peace without bugs bothering you or, you know, like people doing evil things or, or, or temptation. You can just meditate until you attain nirvana and everything's really beautiful and there's gods and goddesses and stuff. Um, or, you know, basically, again, I'm, I'm oversimplifying. So Dogen grew up in this and his mom died, I think, when he was seven years old or maybe nine. And so he was asking the monks at his temple, where's my mom, you know? And they, they said, well, did she pray her Amitabha every day? And he said, yes. And they said, then she's in the pure land. And he says, well, what if she forgot? And they were like, well, you know, hopefully she's in the pure land, you know? And so he wasn't getting any good answers. So that, that was his, uh, his impetus, his sort of like, you know, I was mentioning about trying to reconcile my parents. That was his sort of child sort of 
tra trauma that motivated him to seek and seek and seek and not give up until he found the a true master that that he could question and the person wouldn't just be repeating something he memorized he wouldn't be bsing and he wouldn't be saying well that's for you to go meditate on that so he searched he, he got in a boat he went from japan to china he went to like the big imperial accepted uh buddhist place and uh and he asked them there was a picture of a moon, the moon, and the moon reflected in water. And there was a monk there, and he said, "Can you tell me about the moon reflected in the water?" And the and <laughs> Dogen, when he's telling the story, he's just talking to his congregation. I mean, to the monks. Someone's writing down scribe back there. So he calls this monk a useless bag of skin. That that in this place, <laughs> this place was filled with useless bags of skin dressed as monks. <laughs> and, uh, he just had nothing to say at all. He, he was like quoting some proverb or something somebody said about the moon reflected in water. And then Dogen proceeds to rant about how the moon reflected in water is the nature of our existence and our experience. It's both present and not present, real and unreal, you know, and he's like, he's breaking it down really well. He, he was the guy who talked a lot. Uh, it's funny because he started Zen. I mean, he brought Zen, to cut short, he found Chan in uh, China and he stayed there for a few years and he learned uh, from a great master and then he came back to Japan but they had an accent, so they called it Zen. So that was the beginning of Zen in Japan. And, and you know, people think of oh, Zen, no talking, just silence. But then who's the guy that founded Zen? The guy who talked a lot. <laughs> He's like a four <laughs> volumes of him talking. And one of his, one of his speeches was called uh, like thorny grapevines, you know, like interwoven grapevines. And that's like a term that means um, it refers to people who think too much and talk too much. And it also, after Dogen, has become a term to describe Dogen. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a big fan. You know, the guy who talked too much that was the founder of the, the church of not talking too much. You know, it's like, I, that's, <laughs> that sounds like me. You know, it sounds like something I might have done in former life. <laughs> so that's fun. Would you say, would you say that Shobogendo, uh, is that right? Shobogenzo. Mm -hmm. Shobogenzo. Mm -hmm. Would you say that uh, reading and working with Shobogenzo mm. is a good place to start with Buddhism mm. or with Zen? Yes, I should say. I would say with Buddhism too, uh, because okay. uh, yeah, here, let me, I can, well, this is cool. Yeah, I can show you. Um, over here on the <laughs> far, over here on the far left, we have the oldest, but except for maybe some Pali sutras, uh, this is like, the Dhammapada. Now this is Theravada, mm -hmm. which is commonly known as Hinayana. Hinayana is a little bit like a slur because uh, Mahayana, they call themselves the great vehicle, not the small vehicle, you know, but the, 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 the Hinayana people are like, uh, could you not call us that? You know, we're the Theravada school. And by the way, the original school and you guys are making shit up, you know, so like, so yeah, anyway, so that's, that's the beginning of it. And then you have the Lotus Sutra, and you know the 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 development of the Madhyamaka school, which is a lot, when a lot of people think of Buddhism, they're thinking Madhyamaka. That's what they're talking about: is existence existence or non-existence, and do you exist when you don't exist, or do you not exist when you? And then arguing about that, and then a new school forms of Madhyamaka, all these different schools of Madhyamaka, and one of the schools of Madhyamaka slowly evolved, and then. Uh, kind of merged with uh, with the tantric practices that were popular in the fifth and sixth centuries in Hinduism. Mm -hmm. And be, and and so then there was Mahayana, Madhya, Mad, Mahayana, Maha, 
Madhyamaka, Mahayana Madhyamakas that were, uh, they, there was like a, a split and then one branch became the main Madhyamaka school and the other branch kind of fizzled out except that it was the foundation for Vajrayana Buddhism. And then that Vajrayana Buddhism mixed with uh, Chan, which I mentioned earlier, a little, and, uh, and there was like a backflow from China. So a little bit of Taoism uh, mixed with a little bit of uh, Yogacara, which is one of my favorites. I, there's so little written about Yogacara. It was, they were Buddhists that were using yoga as their means of attaining enlightenment. And I'm like, the, 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 yeah, you know, where are those guys? Can you, where's the book on that? Nope, nope, it happened. It influenced other schools. So, wow. so Zen, they basically took the idea of using yoga to attain enlightenment and just stuck with meditation pose. Like none, you know, no other, nothing else from yoga, but some of the yogic philosophy kind of filtered through. But the the idea of uh, dhyana meditation as the central core practice of, of of Zen Buddhism. Anyway, so so Vajrayana, they they mixed a lot of other elements and kind of made it very complex and colorful. And I kind of like that. My dad was into that, so I have sort of a sentimental fondness for that, which is the opposite of Buddhist philosophy, where you let go of sentimental fondnesses. And so I acknowledge the the silly contradiction and uh, and uh, uh, harmonic dissonance. Anyway, so yeah, but what happened? So then then Tibetan Tibetan Buddhism and then Japanese Buddhism. Okay, real quick, real quick. I promise, real quick. Um, so so Vimalamitra, who's in there, uh, uh, you know. Anyway, uh, he and Padmasambhava came from India. Padmasambhava was, was from present-day Pakistan. So when people think of Tibetan Buddhism and they, if they know a little bit, they know Padmasambhava. Padmasambhava, he's Tibetan. No, he's Pakistani, actually. <laughs> well, by today's wow. terms. But he, so he traveled and, and, uh, and, and uh, Vimalamitra and some others uh, traveled and then they translated the Vajrayana Sutras into Tibetan. Thank goodness, because a few hundred years later, the Mughals came and in the name of Islam, burned all the Vajrayana Sutras in India. So thank God that they, those guys brought it to Tibet, right? <laughs> so so sure. basically looking yeah. at Tibetan Buddhism is, is looking at um, pre-Mughal popular Buddhist culture in India. It's like what was going on in the six and seven hundreds in the, is it one or two main main cities in, uh, in India, but now it's it's all but gone, except for the fact that China did its thing, and then the Dalai Lama had to leave and come into Tibet. I mean, in, in, into India. So in the end, right. Vajrayana left. Vajrayana Buddhism left India and then came back, and it took mm -hmm. you know a thousand years. Mm -hmm. So interesting. What am I talking about? Okay, so so then uh, Kukai. Okay, here's a. Did I talk about this last time? God, I hope I didn't. Kukai, he. Uh, grew up with uh, Bodhisena. Bodhisena was an Indian scholar who was in China at one point, and someone was impressed by him from the Japanese uh, imperial court, and they 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 said, "Hey, could you come and be our uh, our uh, Krishna not Krishna uh, Ramakrishna, like in the Theosophical Society?" And he said, "I don't get that reference because time flows." This way and they said oh <laughs> and they anyway they said could you could you come be our buddhist saint you know like our genuine you know like they were you know he could, because he was indian and he was familiar with scripture you know and he he was a scholar so they they said that makes you 
a, uh, a holy man and a bodhisattva come with us. And so, uh, so then they, so, so he actually helped them develop the Japanese language based on Sanskrit, the Japanese alphabet, I should say, the one that has 47 some odd uh, letters. And then the, so there was a young monk hanging around that was sort of like watching all of these things going on and his name was Kukai. And then eventually after, after the form of Buddhism that got established in uh, Nauru, uh, under Bodhisena and with the emperor, that kind of the imperial accepted thing. Kukai took off and went to China. And then I think he met Vimalamitra because of the timing. Um, so basically he went, oh, to, okay. he went to China right when Vimalamitra was coming into China and he received the Vajrayana Sutras and brought them back to Japan right at the same time that, uh, right, right at the same time that it was being introduced in Tibet. And so you ended up with two distinct Vajrayana Buddhist uh, egregores and currents, one Japanese and one Tibetan, one that kind of puts Kukai as the central figure, uh, as the, the founder, and then one that puts Padmasambhava as the founder. They don't talk as much about Vimalamitra, who went into China and established Chinese Vajrayana, which used to be a thing, but like uh, the Mughals, the communists did a the communists pulled a muggle. The, the, the Maoists did a did a, pulled a muggle on that one and and uh, erased a lot of that culture. But um, but you can probably still find it in Taiwan. I want to go check that out. I've been talking for a really long time. I'm so sorry. Oh, God. they call this an interview, and then the podcaster just. No, I, I'm I'm so I'm I'm very glad that you did. Um, I knew that. So I I mean I mean there's been there's been a um, there's been a uh, how do I put it. Omniscient calling to mm. Buddhism for me. Well, everyone who, for, yeah. for my house and I, yeah. I should say. But uh, to wrap up, and uh, after and I this, needed, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, so so after everything that I said, then another four hundred years went by, and then Dogen came to China and got the whole picture, and so the so what I started with this, and then from this. All of these other books are books Dogen recommended, actually. Um, so, so every oh, yeah, okay. yeah. So that's so that's in that sense, it is a really good place to start. He happens to be Zen Buddhist, so when he talks about Vajrayana Buddhism, he calls it a disgrace, and he calls it not Buddhism. He calls it uh, non-Buddhism. He calls them useless bags of skin shouting from a mountaintop, holding a staff, and calling it Buddhism. And it's like. That's fair, Dogen. It's fair. You know, it's like the people who say that Christmas trees aren't Christian. You're right. It's pagan. You know, I'm not as upset about it as the Jehovah's Witnesses are. You know? But uh, <laughs> so, you know, my dad was the one with the staff shouting on the mountain, you know, so Dogen and he probably wouldn't have gotten along back in medieval uh, Japan. <laughs> well, I don't so know. yeah, Dogen is a good place to start. Yeah. Your, your dad, your dad said something to you that you said to me mm. that, again, it was one of those things that just sort of sticks with you. It was um, that human beings are flesh tubes. <laughs> he Do does remember use this? the term flesh tube. Yeah. Yeah. Flesh place fear mm -hmm. junkie was the term he used a lot. But he flesh based fear junkie. Uh, flesh place. Okay. So the, he called the earth the flesh place. So because uh, okay. the physical universe, I kind of get he didn't, didn't tell me why, but I kind of get why, because physical universe means atoms and stuff. But the flesh place is the sensory experience of, the, of, of being 
flesh of being an animal in the physical universe. So it's kind mm -hmm. of a specific subset. It's a very thin slice of the physical universe, actually. When you look at the whole cosmos, like what is the experience of eyeballs looking out at the cosmos? Oh, it's, it's over there on that little speck of, of dust in the corner as uh, Carl Sagan, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, but <laughs> I forget what I, it happened again. It happened again. What were we talking about? We were talking about we were talking about flesh tubes. Flesh tubes. Said, yeah. So the flesh place, and then fear junkie. So so he he talked about the people who compulsively reincarnate and have a shitty time, and then complain and then die and get born again, and that you know like the baby in that meme. It's like you know like nine months later, I'm never going to be human again. Nine months later, there's the baby. Um, they so he calls those flesh place fear junkies that they're they're people who are uh, who are addicted to the fear that comes with being in a body. And then he, then the other category he has is journeyers. So there's his polarity. So the journeyers are the souls that are like, yeah, I, I like being human. I'm going to do that again. You know, and then they come down here and they go, all right, what am I going to do now that I'm here? You know, as opposed to like, oh God, the end of the world. Oh God, are you going to die? You know, like some people are born in shitty situations. So there's kind of an inherent uh, you know, I mean, especially looking at the, the class, the caste system in ancient uh, Hinduism, it is fair to, to criticize, I think, that, uh, that the, the ideas of, of karma and reincarnation uh, uh, do kind of have a little bit of a classist, you know, like, uh, oh, well, they're rich because of the good karma in their past life. And you're poor because you must have done some shitty things in your past life. It's kind of really, <laughs> you know, like... Really? <laughs> Who told you that? Oh, the rich guys with the pale skin from the north. And it's like, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> yeah, they, they came down and told us our class is down here and theirs is up here. And, uh, you know, <laughs> that's what happened. <laughs> so <laughs> there it is. He used a weird word, supremacy. We don't yeah. know why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They really inspired a young man named uh, with a mustache, you know, back in the. Anyway, <laughs> indirectly, indirectly, yeah. That, I forgot the name of the guy that wrote, it was like one guy that wrote one book that that was like, you know, wouldn't it be weird if the Aryans were actually us? And then like a few people, because they because they were from Iran, they were they came from Iran, they brought the Vedas and they established the caste system, and uh, and so then someone was like, you know, I think that might they might have been blonde. <laughs> No, <laughs> no, they weren't. <laughs> they weren't. <laughs> oh. And yet, <laughs> there are no polar bears in Iran either, <laughs> for the same reason. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Mm. Um. I feel like I. I feel like I feel like I would be remiss. So, so I, I'm, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about polarization mm. uh, and I'm, I'm thinking about the, the sorts of, the sorts of projects that I'm working on mm. um, and the, you know, I think, I think like for the last, for the last few years I've been like, I've just, well, I mean, I, I've been in a very common polarized landscape for occultists mm. right where like you have your day job and then you have your and then you have occultism right mm. and occultism is a it's it's usually a beloved hobby mm. where you um you know where you, you do things for like uh 
you know, you, you'll do things for like an hour a day mm. or for like an hour in the morning and an hour in the evening or something. Right. And that's, that's sort of what your practice is, right? Mm. And the, um, but the day job has to be the day job because the day job is how you get money and how you get food and how you get for everything candles you need. and everything else yeah right for all the for all for the like, fun stuff <laughs> for all the fun stuff exactly yeah. exactly and so um but i think i think recently i've sort of um recently i've just sort of decided to try to integrate those two together yeah um where like you know where the occultism is the job and the job is the occultism and everything, everything sort of, everything sort of blends together. Mm. Um, and I just, it makes me wonder, like, is that, because, because when I think about, when I think about like Zen, when I think about Zen and when I think about other forms of Buddhism, like there's, there's, it almost feels like sometimes I, I mean, I, I'm sure that any, most Buddhists would hate that I'm saying this in the first mm -hmm. place, but there are like almost like professional Buddhists, mm -hmm. right? That's what a monk is, or like, a priest. A priest is a professional Catholic. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly, right, mm -hmm. right. You have like like professional, uh, professional religious, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I suppose you also, you also have, well, you do. You have professional occultists everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, colors. it's just not as popular. Yeah, so right. Yeah, but yeah, and but yeah, people. So the love factor when it's when it's such a beloved hobby that that people choose to do it even though they're eating ramen, you know, out of the package and stuff like that. Like, uh, so you, you end up with some real dedicated hardcore people and and even homeless, you know, people who who put so much energy into the occult that they crash in a in a friend's basement on a friend's couch or you know uh my old uh friend gordon uh he had an espresso bar he had a coffee coffee house back in pasadena he was in the golden dawn and there were there was a thalamite couple living in the basement <laughs> they were just living there you know like <laughs> there were these uh these these interesting tunnels that connected all the businesses next to him but nobody went down there and so there was just all these extra rooms and so he was showing me around down there and then I looked in and there was like a couple leg in bed looking back at me I'm like hi and he's like Gordon's like oh yeah here he is. I told him they could crash here for a night and they never never left I remember that was like that was sort of a at one time that was sort of a badge of um a badge of commitment mm. almost yeah right like like I remember I remember people that would like uh they would sleep in whatever temple space they had. Mm, mm. Um, yeah, yeah. There were they, people they, crashing up in Canada, as some some that have been on the podcast in the past few episodes. Well, one, Elgin. <laughs> <laughs> I shall I shall bleep out his name. <laughs> I don't know if that's public. <laughs> I think he keeps it yeah. separate. <laughs> but there's this. Um, it's interesting. There's almost like, like, I remember, I remember that there was this sense of, I remember there being like this sense of great sacrifice, mm. right? That, that this person was, was putting so much energy into, into whatever, whatever space they were building. Mm. 
that they, you know, that they, they didn't have a home anymore and that this, but, but also that like there was this equation of holiness with poverty, mm. right? Like, like I'm willing to give up all this stuff. Yeah. I've noticed in Christianity and Buddhism both uh, because their, their founders were beggars, you know, like they, they, they were wandering beggars in both cases, Buddhist, Buddha and Jesus. I mean, you know, he had a career before that, but at, at later on, um, you know, and uh, uh, it quit the material and seek the spiritual in our Theorcus initiation and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the eye of the camel with the needle with the eye of the camel. I think to, to such a degree that there's been a backlash against it and in the form of prosperity gospels and, uh, you know, sure. uh, you know, the, the, and the new age version of the thinking grow rich, you know, kind of. Uh, law of attraction focused toward materialism like that kind of thing mm -hmm. and uh and then there's another point then there's polarization there you know then there's the people who hate the fact that the, the spiritual people that missed the point and then there's the people that hate the fact that the that people think you have to be poor to be spiritual and another right. another thing yeah. to transcend you know like uh yeah yeah mm -hmm. another another surface to surf upon yeah <laughs> yeah there's a there's a thing. I mean, looking at my own life and my own past, um, being right, or or you know, uh, telling someone they're right, uh, is such a good feeling to be right with someone. You know, to be right together, and 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 to talk and to talk about those wrong people. It's just such a nice flow. It's such a good feeling. You know, and so it kind of it makes sense, you know, and, and, and it also makes sense looking at the survival. Of course, the tribe, the village has to stick together against that other village, you know, and if, if who are you going to choose your, your, that village or, or this village, you know, well, this one, of course, you know, and then within the family, who are you going to choose your brother or your cousin? Oh, well, my brother, of course. And so it's, I don't know. I have, I have no answers. I just, uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. And that, that's, that's the thing. I mean, like, like I, you know, I try to, I try to reconcile as much as I can, mm. you know, um, um, both in my spiritual practice and then in like, in, in, in everything else, mm. you know, and then especially like one thing, <laughs> So, so the, I feel like, I feel like, like most of my original ideas about spirituality are usually, uh, they're usually so uncomfortable that, that nobody else, nobody else even wants to hear about them. I'd like to hear about um, them. <laughs> okay. So I knew you would. I, 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 I said, I said uncomfortable that. Uncomfortable is good. Yeah. Because right, they always say right. be suspicious of something that sounds good or sounds comfortable or sounds desirable. But right. if it sounds uncomfortable, then maybe it's it, it, like it has more more likely that it's true. <laughs> Unless <laughs> God is an all-loving, you know, sense in the in the sense of spoiling his child and putting him in velvet. Except cheese. for BT, he'll he'll get this. <laughs> yeah. And the 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 my uncomfortable idea is when you're around someone who's opinionated have less opinions mm -hmm. so so like if you if you're around so, so so like like when you're around someone who 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 believes that they're right mm -hmm. right who believes okay i've already gone on my hero's journey mm -hmm. and i've already discovered the truth 
and here's what the truth is, mm. right? Listen to the truth. Listen, well, listen to what they have to say, right? Mm. And keep in mind that that person is, knows the truth and is just as much in ignorance as you are, mm. right? Mm. Like they have the same, they have the same wiring. They have yeah. the same, they have the same nerves. They, they, they mm. what they have discovered, mm. whether you like it or not, is just as valid as what you have discovered, mm. right? And so, and so listen to what they have to say. And here's the uncomfortable part. Do not have a rebuttal. Mm. Just let them say what they have to say and thank them for their opinion. Yeah. Sometimes they're looking for, for cues of agreement and they get frustrated when you don't give them, but uh, <laughs> that's a specific case. It's true. It's true. They, 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 get en- they get endlessly frustrated at that because you're like water at that point. Yeah. You're just like, oh, okay, well, thanks. Okay. And, if, and, you know, they, and you're not if being sarcastic. You're just, you're just being... Yeah. If they're, if they're hiding something, they think you can see it, even if they don't know what it is. Right, right. Because they, because they know, because usually that they know that, that the truth that they have discovered has flaws. Yeah. Um, and the last time they told they, someone the, the truth they discovered, they heard about all the flaws in their rebuttal. <laughs> right. Yeah. They've heard right. the rebuttal. And so when you times. don't, when yeah. you don't give them a rebuttal, yeah. then they, you know, then they have, they, they, well, first off, they sort of have nothing to build on. Yeah. And so like, but I'm not really, I'm not really saying this as like, as like a technique of intellectual warfare, <laughs> only really, only really like a technique of intellectual warfare on the self, mm. right? Mm. Because now you're forcing your own truth. You're forcing your own opinions to be molded by the people around you, yeah. right? And those, your own opinions, like there's nothing, this is, this is like, this is like, I don't know what, how, what to call it, but, but there. I guess like a guiding principle for me is there is nothing sacrosanct about your opinions. Mm. Like just because you've built them, just because you're on this hero's journey that's this like that's made this core of of beautiful shining truth, mm. right? Mm. Everybody else has the same thing too. Mm. There's like there's billions and billions of these shining cores, right? Yeah. And then and if you really trust the divine, if you really trust God, mm. then 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 the divine has put these other forms of truth around you for a reason, mm. right? It's so that this divine core within you can be molded, can yeah. can you can learn things, right? Mm. Mm. This is this is putting humility in action mm. right where you're where you're not you're you're not allowing your own opinions to mar whatever it is this, that other people are trying to say and mm. it's tremendously it's when you actually do it it's tremendously uncomfortable mm. because it's like i'm surrendering something that was so important to me right my truth yeah right um but then but, there's a difference the same, between what you're describing and agreeing with the opinions of the people around you. Absolutely. Right. Yes, right. there is. Yeah. Being yeah. a yes man or, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Right. It's different. There's, there's, there's a, it's, it's different because mm. now you're not agreeing with either one of them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the really uncomfortable part is that you're saying that your own truth isn't necessarily something that you agree with. And <laughs> their truth isn't necessarily something that you agree with. So now you're on this like weird middle ground and it's yeah. it's super uncomfortable there's um, a there's a, a an old story about a rabbi 
talking to a couple that's getting divorced and, and the husband tells him, you know, his side of the story and why it was all her fault. And the rabbi says, you're right. And then the, the woman, the wife comes and, and says, uh, you know, her, her side of the story and why it's all his fault. And he's like, you're right. And then they, the, the, the ex-husband and ex-wife go talk amongst themselves. And then they realize that he said that to both of them and they get upset and they want to know what the deal is. So they both come in together and say, you said that he was right. You said that I was right. We can't both be right. And he says, you're right. <laughs> it's kind of fun. But, but what you're describing uh, reminds me a little more of the Tao Te Ching. I uh, have a tiny mm. one over there, but I'm not going to get up and get it. It's, uh, it, yeah, it's much more uh, like, uh, you know, the, the, the getting everything done by doing nothing kind of thing. And uh, the way that Gordon, my old teacher, used to describe it is because uh, at that time I was in my early 20s and people in their early 20s, they want to try to grab life like it's a steering wheel or a joystick and make it go that way and that way. And uh, he was trying to trying to teach me to sit and watch. And when you observe the whole thing, then you know exactly what word delivered in just the right way at the right time can steer the whole thing in a different direction. But if you're in there like doing this, you know, trying to like micromanage every little thing, you're not gonna comprehend what's going on. If you do indeed make a difference, you won't even be able to see what the difference is because you're, you're so focused on your own sort of uh conscious ego uh interaction with whatever's in front of you and uh i i think i'm putting some words in his mouth i'm elaborating on what he was saying but but i remember uh yeah he had good advice like that like uh like when when something you know triggers you that uh that you know I, this is like stephen covey and stuff like something someone does something someone makes a face at you someone shouts at you whatever it is and you feel that anger that the, the beginning of it before you actually get angry you know that the anger is coming. It's like a seed that hasn't entered into this world yet, but you know it's there and you just pinch it out before it comes in. <laughs> and that's like such a nice, he had some good teachings like that. They sort of remind me of, uh, but they, they, they can be weapons though. Like all of these things can be for healing or for harming, like every square of the vault, you know, uh, you can use empress or, or the tower or the fool to, to do great good or, or to really mess someone up. I remember I threw the moon card at my old teacher in a dream once and then uh, his, his daughter's little toy started like making noise. <laughs> and then he, he woke up in a cold sweat and the, his toy was making this weird, weird music but the battery was dying. So it was like this weird carnival music while he's making himself a sandwich. I was like, I'm sorry, I, I was really pissed at you. I threw, a, I threw a moon card at you in a dream last night. He's like, that was you. <laughs> <laughs> He's an Episcopal priest now, but anyway. Oh, nice! Wow. <laughs> I'm uh, yeah, I'm a, um, I'm a, re I'm a recent, I'm a recent fan of Episcopalianism. Oh yeah, they're the, they're the good ones. <laughs> you know, like, uh, whenever anybody complains about Abrahamic religion, I can always quote a quote a, an Episcopal uh, rector at them. You know, and uh, they don't know what to say. They usually just don't reply. <laughs> my uh my buddy Robbie took me to uh the Episcopal Church in Pasadena there was a famous guy Ed Bacon that uh he's sort of well known in Catholic and you know all the local circles around there 
And uh, but then there was another guy. I, th I think I might have seen his last the last time Ed Bacon was up there, or maybe it was a different guy. But it was just so impressive. Like for it, it, it struck me like everybody there were like King Arthur and uh, you know Renaissance fair geeks. Like everybody there could probably quote Holy Grail. You know, like uh, you know what I mean. Like like I just got that vibe. They were it, it was like they were liter literary buffs who were generally left-leaning. There was, uh, my, my friend's wife was breastfeeding in the church during the service and nobody did anything but, you know, like just not approving. It's none of my business, but it's good that you're doing right. that in church, you know, like it's because it's it's holy and natural. Mother Mary did that, you know, so by all means do it in church. Try that in a conservative Catholic church have a very different response <laughs> very different response so yeah i mean i like the liturgical i like the oh you know all that yeah. stuff but uh but as far as uh people i mean i i don't want to talk crap about people as a group but but generally speaking i would probably make more friends among episcopalians you know sure uh, i'd be able to be myself sure. more i wouldn't have to like hide things <laughs> I could even tell them, so, you know, like they 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 even love Alan Watts. You bring up Alan Watts to, to an Episcopal rector and they say, Oh yeah, Alan Watts, love Alan Watts. <laughs> <laughs> what were you saying? Um well this this conversation brought up something that that well that I wanted to bring up here. And I kind of wanted your opinion on this one. Yeah. Um so uh over so over over 2020 over over the american pandemic mm. uh i call i call it the american pandemic because there's yeah. still there's still other places in the world that are going through a pandemic now yeah. or they haven't yeah, and they yeah. may never we're, we're getting our third wave now here in india oh okay to. yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. um but during during that time that was a, that was a time of uh that was a time of solitude for for uh my wife and i that uh that we didn't even know that we needed you know mm -hmm. um but it, it brought us great clarity of purpose it brought us great clarity of um of what what we wanted to do with ourselves mm -hmm. uh but it also i remember it it would also bring these bouts of like just um it's hard to describe. It was like, it was crankiness on a whole other level. Like, like we, you know, like I, I would like become the like cranky. Mm. Sort of. Yeah. Like, like, like you become <laughs> cranky, but yeah. also, um, but also like, like very, very narrow focused. Uh, and like sort of, and just sort of, you have this predisposition to rage like all the time mm -hmm. right and mostly it was it, it was it was because of it was there were medical causes for this mm -hmm. right like, well first off the solitude right like mm -hmm. extreme solitude for extended periods yeah um and then also a lack of sleep mm -hmm. like i had a lot of insomnia when i over over 20 that's a that's a recurring that's a recurring issue with me mm -hmm. um how do you when you're in this sort of like quasi medically induced uh state right mm -hmm. where this quasi medically induced unenlightened state mm -hmm. and you know that you're like you know that you're in this you're like there's i'm having problems you know like like where you know you're like i'm not in a good place mentally um how do you apply 
enlightened thought in an unenlightened state? Mm. You know, that's a good question. Um, I'm thinking of examples from my own life uh, and the times that I've been in horrible states. And I think that there's a double thing uh, in the Orwellian sense, not in the Orwellian sense, not exactly in the Orwellian sense. I, what I mean is when I'm thinking, I don't even care if I die today. You know, I'm thinking that in the middle of a fight or something or like, you know, that kind of thing. But I know I don't mean it. You know, like, I know that this is temporary. I've been through this so many times. I know you come out the other side and, and the, what seems like the end of the world isn't. And, um, and so there's kind of like, I, I give myself space to go through what I'm going through. But, but so yeah, I guess it's a little bit like what you were describing. There's the part of me that's saying my opinions. And then there's the other part of me that's letting myself say my opinions rather than mm -hmm. retorting. Like, like uh, you know, well, no, ultimately everything's gonna be fine. Like, no, no, I just sort of sit back and let myself say everything's shit. And, uh, and uh, you know, it passes. Cause it's like, I, I mean, I suppose there's ways to get from one place to another. And, and I, I, you know, deep breathing and writing, journaling, getting the words out here, out from here onto the page so you can see how ridiculous they are. You know what I mean? When you're in that state, uh, that helps, I think. Um, you know, like even, even however immature and, and irrational and unenlightened the thoughts are, just write them down as they are and then look at them and go, all right, yeah, okay. I can let go of this, you know, like, uh, but sometimes when they're just repeating and bouncing around like a pinball, then uh, it can escalate actually. You get more and more enraged about this thing that is yeah. actually stupid, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I, like, I, like that I, I like that idea that you said of, of allowing those opinions, allowing those opinions to flow uh, without a retort. Hmm. Right, because it's because it's 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 another it's another application of that uh, of that of that technique mm. of not arguing. Mm. Yeah, um, and and really that you you really bring you're bringing out like 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 what's actually happening there, right? Mm. Because because when when you're feeling unenlightened, right there's only friction there because you feel that you should be acting a different way. Mm. Um, and that idea, but that idea in itself is, is, is a resistance, mm. right? And because you're, we all were, you know, as, as, uh, if you're a seeker, if you're a, um, if, if, if you're, if you're a, a journeyer of the soul, mm. you're, um, you are perhaps looking to better yourself, right? Mm. But when you're seeking to better yourself, all that you're, you're putting energy into that, right? Mm. A lot of it. Um, and when you're in and on, and, and you are doing that partially because you have valued being enlightened more than being unenlightened, mm. right? And you're not going to, you just are not going to be like that all the time. Mm. Um, and, 
in an unenlightened state, you're you're afraid. Like I I, I I'm speaking for myself. I should yeah, be speaking yeah. for myself. Yeah, that's okay. When I'm in an unenlightened state, I'm afraid that I'm I'm afraid that I'm that I'm not enlightened at that time. I'm afraid of not being enlightened. Right. Put it that way. Yeah. Mm. And by allowing, by allowing, you know, just being aware and allowing those opinions to just flow through you. Um and just being and, and just being more aware of who of, of who you are and what you and what you are, um you can start to let go of that fear, you know. Yeah. It's an interesting thing because it's like because it's like if you don't have any motivation to become enlightened in the first place, mm. well, you're probably not going to do anything. Mm. Um, but at the same time, uh, that the motivation itself, the motivation itself can cause, or the context in which the motivation occurs has problems. Mm. Does that make mm. sense? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking too many things. One, uh, there's two basic. Again, with my friend, my old teacher Gordon. He was my student in Golden Dawn, but he's much older than me and wiser. So he's my teacher in reality, but my student in Golden Dawn. You know, um, but he uh, he once said he said that the Buddha said. Buddha didn't say this, but Gordon said that the Buddha said that if you want to get rid of suffering, then you have to get rid of desire. But if you want to keep the desire, you have to embrace the suffering. <laughs> I, I told him that later. I said, you said the Buddha said that. And he's like, what? <laughs> I said that? <laughs> I like it, but I don't, don't remember saying it. <laughs> but it's a good one. You know what's really suffering. cool is like, when I think about, when I think about like past conversations that we've had, mm. like there have been there have been there have been things that we've said together that I have uh, that have like become part of like like my embedded worldview, right? <laughs> yeah, internal. And world. I'm willing to bet that if we revisited some of that stuff, like <laughs> either you would have no recollection of it, or you'd be like, "No, I remember that conversation." But I said the opposite. I didn't. Mm. I didn't yeah. say that. I, I. Oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah, or that, yeah. If something was misunderstood, or like if we were whispering when something was going on, <laughs> right, we were yeah. supposed to be talking, or yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, but yeah. So in that sense, enlightenment. And I was, I was thinking, I was talking recently on uh, the last episode about uh, uh, surrendering to a higher power in the context of Alcoholics Anonymous, or or uh, you know similar things, and but. But then I mentioned that I had a schizophrenic student, you know, a student who have, had some form of schizophrenia. And when he started evoking angels, the angels appeared and told him he must sacrifice his son to prove his loyalty to God. So what is the higher power that you're surrendering to? Is it the guy in those particular chapters of the Old Testament that you're really on the working with that guy? You know, the one they call the demiurge in some uh, circles? Or... And I should mention when people get, because there's a little bit of an anti-Semitic edge when people start talking about the demiurge. Um, and I always point out that the God in Leviticus seems to be a little different than the God in Songs of Solomon, you know, like and those are both Old Testament. So it's not so simple as Old Testament God and New Testament God. And there was El and Yahweh and so on. Anyway, uh, okay, I lost track. Damn it. 
what was I talking about? Should I go through and edit these out or just leave them in and let people be frustrated? No, it's part of the flow. It's part of the flow because they probably got derailed when I got derailed. I got derailed. I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel like I was I talking feel, about. I feel like, you, like, like, like with you and I, like, like flow is an important component. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember. So oh, you remember. Okay. When, when one person says God, they might be thinking of you know, uh, just maybe like a little bit they learned in nursery school or in, in uh, Sunday school when they were young, they learned that, God, that Jesus is God and God is love and there's a dove involved, God. And then there's, there's people that are just really, really focused on those damn Edomites and Canaanites and, and, and the metaphors and that the homosexuals are the Edomites and the lesbians are the, Can you know, I, I'm, I'm not saying oh, this. Yeah. I'm quoting hypothetical. No, people. no, no. I, like, I know, yeah. they're, they're both Christian. They're both talking about God. They're both talking about surrendering to God and doing God's will. How are they so damn different? And then I think the same can, can apply to the word like enlightenment. Um, if you move from, from one person to the next in a yoga class or in a golden dawn temple even, um, there might be a little bit more, uh, you know, if you have a good solid group think going on in a particular temple, they might all have the same answer, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a universal answer or that it's a good or useful answer like uh you know so 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 is enlightenment uh being able to embrace porcupines and say ouch i love it you know like sort of a sadomasochistic approach toward uh toward just running in you know like <laughs> fools rush in where angels fear to fear to tread into life and just like uh like or or is enlightenment uh staying in the room with the rice and the bowl and gazing at the wall until you attain oneness. Um, huh? I don't know. Have I thrown the whole thing? Oh shit, I just knocked down all of all of religion and uh, and esotericism <laughs> like pinballs. No, no. There's nowhere left to go. I've deconstructed. You, uh... I'm a chaos magician. <laughs> I just have to admit it. I'm a fucking thalamite, aren't I? <laughs> oh Jesus. I'm gonna take this thing off. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're a man of mystery talking of a talking of a mystery yeah that's i'm not trying to sell anything that's the thing just sort of analyzing right. and looking yeah. at we didn't have we like by the way just so people know um we started talking the other day and we realized that it had been 16 years or some some long time since we had an, any kind of in-depth conversation and uh, so we decided to do this, but we had no idea for a topic. And we didn't even talk about what, whether to have a topic or not. So I just thought- No, it, we didn't. It was, no, I'll just, it was just go through and write down what did we talk about and make that the description of what we talked about. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great idea. Yeah. That's a great idea. I do that so, often. So, yeah. so talking about your, um, uh, the question of, of what God you're actually speaking with. Yeah, what is- yeah, yeah, or enlightenment, that uh, what do we mean? You know, like uh, I'm not enlightened today. Maybe, maybe mm. enlightenment is realizing that there is no dichotomy between a not enlightened day and an enlightened day. Um, that reminds me of a Padma Sambhava quote, supposedly uh, memorized by Yeshi Tsogil and then written down 50 years ago by some 
white new ager that was channeling her, you know, very reliable stuff. Um, <laughs> that was uh, basically uh, that, that, that when you, when you realize uh, something of the, that, that, that Nirvana and Samsara are of the same na nature and uh, they're both, they're both temporal. <laughs> and so it's like, what are we shooting for? You know, if, if the goal wow. isn't Nirvana, then, then what is, and then, but there's a, there's like a transcendence even beyond the attainment of transcendence or the attainment of Nirvana, because you, you, you transcend, but then you fall back down and then you, you, you have a fight with your loved one and then you make up and then you meditate and then you go back up again. But this, you know, like, it doesn't necessarily mean I'm winning, I'm losing, I'm, 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 I'm failing, I'm succeeding. Uh, I'm on the path, I fell off the path, or I strayed from the path. That is the path. It's, it's just, uh, that's what the path looks like. You know, um, sometimes you're angry and sometimes you're at peace and sometimes you're asleep and sometimes you're hungry. And, you know, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe. You know, this, so this, this totally reminds me of, um, I, think, I think that you and I were doing a working together. This was a long time ago mm. and it was in California. And no, no, it wasn't one work. It was many workings. Mm. Uh, we, so um, as, as you probably remember, we used to have these events where, uh, where many people would, would arrive and, Power we would, you know, and we Power would, week. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Power <laughs> week. Or, I, I think it was during a power week. Um, anyway, it was, it was close to the end of the power week. And I don't mm. know if you remember this, but there was this yeah. whole, like, there was this whole, like, uh, meta thing going on with power week where as each day went by you're getting more and more tired mm. right because it because you're you're doing so much on 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 every day mm. and i remember it was that it was it was close to the end and we oh and by the way like the more the the deeper into this this school of this the school of metaphysics that that you uh that you get um the more stuff there is to do mm. so so and and this was this was like you you and i you and i both were like we were full on we were deep in it at this point yeah and it was close to the end of the week totally exhausted we've done stuff all day right and then and then there's more stuff to do there's more stuff to do at night there's more te there, there's more teaching that we both need to do mm. at night Right. And we just pressed on. We just mm. kept going. We were in our early 20s. We were on stop. Oh, yeah. But I remember, like, at some point, like, we, we, we did a bunch of work. We did a bunch of work. And I just, I was just exhausted. Mm. And, but that exhaustion was a gift in a way because I was so tired. I'm pretty sure I was with you. And I don't think I said anything at the time, mm. but we went outside, right? Like after the whole day. So we started at like seven in the morning. It's like 11 o'clock at night. We've been yeah. basically praying all yeah. day long. Mm. Right? And we've, we've come to the end. We're just going to go home and go to sleep because we're so tired. But I remember going outside and the place where we were was right near a truck stop. Yep. And this truck stop had these trucks that were tremendously loud. Right. <laughs> if they like use their Jake brakes or whatever. We yeah. go outside. Truck goes by. Jake brakes are hit. It's this huge sound. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I swear to you, if I have not heard 
holier thunder in my oh, life. Oh yeah. I would be surprised. Oh yeah, that's true. That did kind of happen where there would be uh well-timed, you know, mm-hmm. like uh sometimes 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 that would actually happen with thunder, very rarely, because Southern California gets like one storm every two years or mm-hmm. something like that. But uh but yeah, there would be a lot of uh noises coming from outside sometimes at, at at just the right moment that kind of like whoa that that was interesting right yeah <laughs> yeah and that that but that i think that that moment was really that moment was very important for for mm-hmm. me because because it showed me it showed me that that Mm-hmm. the holiness or baseness of everyday moments is right. not based on what's happening around you yeah. it's based on what's happening within you you know, yeah. and that your the perspective that you bring to these moments is is the crucial part. Mm. I that reminds me of something that I I like to tell. Uh, when I was young, my dad would meditate, and he was doing Vajrayana, so it, that involved a lot of chanting. And so usually, Om, you know, Om was kind of the main thing that it centered around. Om, and uh, then then if uh, you know the neighbors were making noise, a weed whacker, someone, a gardener, a, a, you know, a, a leaf blower, that kind of thing, he'd get so mad, you know, that it was was not perfectly quiet for his meditation. So in my four year old mind, I observed this, and I decided that I I had the solution. And so when the neighbor's lawnmower would start going or when uh, when when there was some loud noise or any like big motor, big, you know, that type of thing, then I would sit down and say, Kung! <laughs> <laughs> so my word wasn't about silence. It wasn't it had to have to be the only word in, in a void. My word was just going right along, celebrating all the noise. You know, of course, when you're four, it's kind of like you have a different attitude. But but I come back to that, you know, like if I'm if I'm thinking meditating and there's some noise outside that I remember, I just sort of smile and go, this is part of it, mm-hmm. you know, because, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you hear some birds tweeting. Ah, oh, yeah, this is part of the natural meditative experience. And you hear uh, a dog barking, say, okay, okay, well, it's a little annoying, but you know, it's still still nature. And then you, someone puts on the radio, and then they, someone, someone using a leaf blower, ah, I can't deal with all of this non-nature anti-God stuff in my sphere of sensation. You know, why? Well, who drew that line? Was it the romantics? You know, like, are you, are you stuck in the 1700s or what, you know, or was that 18? anyway (laughs) yeah yeah that's that's a great that's that's exactly the question you know why like why can't you handle reality if you're you're like 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 what i mean i mean is enlightenment such a fragile sensitive thing that it can't handle a car honking you Right. And like, yeah, exactly. And does that really help you? You know, yeah, like, yeah. like if you're trying to, if you're trying to build this bubble and you're just trying to make it thicker and thicker, mm-hmm. um, you still haven't addressed like the core things, which is that, and, and the core things are that you're impatient. The core things are that, are that, are that when you hear loud noises, you become, you become angry and afraid, you know, yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 the core, the core things that, that, that make your existence so difficult. They're not solved by walking away from existence. They're solved yeah. by embracing existence. Yeah, yeah. Going into it and mm-hmm. sorting it and not resisting it. And, you know, I guess it depends on what we're talking about here. I'm being pretty abstract, but. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, like the, you know, finding, like in, uh, one thing I, uh, my, my parents were trained in Earhart seminars training and Earhart was ripping off L. Ron Hubbard and there was some lawsuits oh, about okay. it and stuff. So they used the tone scale, the emotional tone scale that is familiar to Scientologists. So I grew up with that, even though I didn't have much science, I didn't, there was no Scientology going on in my house, but there was some secondhand Scientology going on. So uh, then Gordon, Gordon was an ex-Scientologist and his thing was he loved William Burroughs and William Burroughs was an ex-Scientologist. So Gordon became a Scientologist so he could become an ex-Scientologist. Uh, making it brief and understand I, william burroughs better <laughs> yeah kind of yeah <laughs> so so i i started a facebook group called the william burroughs the william burroughs school of ex-scientology and it's uh they, there's some some nice quotes and uh, they, a bunch of people have joined like people people like it i think he wrote a book called ex-scientology actually but anyway um enough about that what was my point Oh God, did I lose it again? What were we talking about before? I was going to relate it to something. Uh, oh yeah, uh, the earlier similar. So when something makes you mad, then you go to your you go to your auditor, and the auditor says, "So what happened today? Oh, something made me mad, or whatever." And you say, "Okay, what did it remind you of?" Oh, it reminded me of when my sister used to hold my head under the, the water. Oh, well, what did that remind you of? Oh, it reminded me of when I was being ignored when I was in the crib when I was a baby, you know, and then poof gone you know now 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 you're not angry anymore when that comes up or when that button gets stimulated because it's been brought from the unconscious into the conscious from the darkness into the light and uh you know it, it's sort of like there's no need to give a retort when the answer is already obvious <laughs> the silence speaks the mm. retort <laughs> the silence is enough someone mm -hmm. says something ridiculous let the crickets retort <laughs> you know the, the crickets are <laughs> the best the best response <laughs> because it's and then oh one other thing i'm sorry i'm on a i'm on a going like this okay we we're talking about the brain and the unconscious one thing when i did dimethyltryptamine i've done a few psychedelics but one in particular i i had this uh sort of like you know in uh uh the divine the divine pymander uh the second book uh, uh there's the pomander and hermes and there yeah. it's, it's like a conversation between the, the the magician and god basically and so i was mm -hmm. having i was having that kind of experience where i was watching the the leaves of the palm trees and and the sky and of all of its interesting colors and it was like i was having an i was expressing something and it was responding and then i was expressing and it was responding and then i realized that the entire cosmos as far as i know it is in here like literally i mean you can intellectually realize that but like i have never had an experience of anything ex that wasn't in here and and not even any thought no movie no book no looking at the starry night sky no i mean if you're talking about astral projection people will get hung up on oh no you so you don't believe the astral body leaves the body uh, you know that's not what i'm talking about like like you know just speaking from from this point of view you know uh, i like my grandpa my one grandpa was a scientist and my other you know my dad different sides and so i've got the the, the very very atheistic science scientific approach there too which is very contradictory with the what i got from my dad which is like i get the sense that in a former life he was you know that kind of thing um i did it again i did it again i was so good in the in the interview with kess i i, I had so many co coherent thoughts and i didn't derail i i've derailed oh, 27 oh. times in this uh <laughs> <laughs> it's okay do you think do you think 
Do you think when we do you think when we derail, we should just like we should just oh. not worry about it? Yeah, and, like, I'm not going to worry about it because it's because it, it's a beautiful type of conversation actually. To to uh, you just you know like when when it trails off to where there's nothing left to be said, where where it's just sort of yeah, there it is. <laughs> Yeah, people can just watch us. That'd be like uh, some kind of abstract modern, uh, you know, modernist type uh, modern art kind of uh, podcast where we just sit and stare at each other for like someone's probably already done that. I think. You know. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> very. It's very easy. Yeah. It's or very deep. hard. Yeah. Who you are. Faux deep. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Cheap deep. <laughs> what else should we talk about? Um, well, you want what, to talk what, about what um, have we talked about? We talked about polarization in magic yeah. and politics in the vault, the floor yeah. of the vault. We talked a little bit about uh, alchemy and um, God. I don't even know what we talked about. Uh, we went on. We went on a long tear about the history of Buddhism. Okay. Yeah, that's true. I did uh, that. Yep. Yep. We went on, um, we kind of, we hinted at, we, we sort of like, we sort of, we sort of hinted at ways to, uh, ways to reconcile that polarization. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I, can I do something very selfish? Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I published my first book recently, Thomas oh, L. Yeah. Wolf, and, uh, I've been very careful to, not to put any spoilers out there but i'm gonna give a couple of spoilers right now that i get yeah, for for that if if people haven't read the book and if they're just like why would i want to read a book about that because the description is one of them one character thomas he's he's a left tuber in other words he's he's a guy on youtube that's left politically and he likes to promote the left and talk about how the right you know is wrong and uh then then the wolf is in this universe he's the QAnon shaman so so in in he doesn't wear a buffalo headdress he wears a wolf headdress but it's the same guy he has the same role in 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 our collective conscious but he has a different personality he's actually a different guy um so so these are the two main characters and uh and I have them meet and you know so people are like, okay, so what? You're gonna solve all the political issues? It goes a little deeper and it, there's an unexpected twist. I don't know if I should say what it is, but it involves a Sigillium de Amet. It involves a, uh, uh, a tent, a, a temple that's a tent made of Persian rugs and it involves uh, real magic. I mean, it involves magic um, and uh, I don't, I, I almost want to say it, but I don't want to say it, but, but what it is, in the end, in the end, they don't agree, they don't agree, but they don't hate each other, and, um, mm -hmm. and they, they have a, they have a commonality. I also made the wolf not racist, which is kind of weird, because he has a swastika tattoo from when he was in prison, so it's kind of like, what you know like wait well, but that was a long time ago that was 35 years ago and you know or what, however long ago he's an older guy it's also a generational tale where the where thomas is 24 and the wolf is like 58 or something like that so there it's like an older gen x and a and a millennial or is that one millennial anymore? yeah that's still millennial young millennial 
Um, so there's a lot, and basically what happened, and I'll just tell you as I was watching this YouTube channel, and just for the sake of not being a creep, I'm not gonna say which YouTube channel it was, but I had this very strong experience that I was looking at my dad. <laughs> and, mm. uh, and I was like this 24 year old kid that's very articulately, you know, laying all this stuff out. He's just, his aura, his, his humor, his look in his eye. I was like, I think this is my dad, you know? And so part of yeah. me was thinking, wouldn't that be weird if I sent, if I sent this kid Transformations, my dad's book, uh, so that he could read the book he wrote in his former life. And uh, so that then immediately, boing, the next thought I had after that was, the entire plot of this <laughs> as, okay. uh, as a way of universalizing that silly sort of moment I was having, but putting it, making the characters a little different. So it wasn't me and my dad, but uh, it making me into the Q QAnon shaman and my dad into um, the, the young millennial uh, left tuber. And then, and then, okay, then the question became, well, before that, right mixed up into that question was, do I have anything worth imparting to the young, you know, like uh, atheistic, uh, you know, the, the humanistic uh, uh, um, generation, you know, like, uh, like the, we in the 90s, we, we, we saw the craft, you know what I mean? We were into magic before the craft, you know, like it was a different mindset. Like, uh, I don't know exactly why, maybe we could analyze psychologically why that generation got into magic so much, but, uh, but then, but then now this generation, they have a solidarity in their atheistic human leftism, you know, the ones that are in that camp. And so what, and then if they looked at me wearing my cultural appropriation, you know, stuff with my, with my pseudo spiritual uh, British colonialism, uh, you know, symbol and, and, and all my uh, things that I, that from, from the land that I raped, you know, I mean, there, there's this sort of extremist leftist kind of point of view where everything is seen through the eyes of, oh, you have white skin, therefore everything you do reminds me of colonialism and slavery, you know, and it's like, right. Right, right. You and, know the, yeah. the the cotton that you know. It's like okay, yeah, yeah. You know your cell phone. Yeah, I know. I know. You know, it's like, <laughs> come on, man. You know, but uh, but yeah. So, is there anything worth saying? If I could meet my dad, if he was one of these twenty-four-year-olds that I imagine would just judge the heck out of me, um, is there anything? If he wanted to hear one thing, what what could I say? And so I decided to 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 say it in the form of the QAnon shaman talking to this poor kid who's, you know, like had to, had to go across the world. And so it's a, so I, I guess I'm, the reason I'm saying all this is there's more going on in this thing than, uh, than, mm -hmm. than what's written on the description. And uh, so I'm just, I'm taking the opportunity. This is like paid, paid promotion, what, what they do on the news when they're, let's spend the next 15 <laughs> minutes talking about Dove Soap, you know, for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> Thank you, Dove Soap. <laughs> you know, like that. <laughs> Except I'm putting it in my own pocket. I'm, you know, like, hey, congratulations on your completed project. I mean, thank that, you very that's, much. Um, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, you know, uh, uh, projects are a little bit like babies. Mm. You know, you yeah. have to you, you gestate them. You 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 do many things to to get them to get them to grow and to uh, and to come into the world. Yeah. Um, and then writing, especially, is a. Uh, it's a special project. It's a spe it's a very special sort of thing because because uh, in ways that you don't 
necessarily even want it will outlive you mm, that's you know? true yeah um you know so sometimes and, and it's like sometimes i look at the dictionary that i that i published in the same way mm. where uh where it's like it's it's a be- it's just a beautiful I, i'm very happy with its presentation yeah and i'm very happy with the uh, with the um with the way that it turned out and the other thing is when i when i read it now i'm in the middle of you know i'm in the middle of book number two, mm. which is the translation of a grimoire. Mm. Um, and it's, and in some ways it's very far from the dictionary that, that, that I worked on all those years ago, mm. you know, but that dictionary, it lives on. It has, it has, its, it has like its own life now, you know, yeah, and, and I yeah. can only, I can only hope when I speak to people about it to still be educated fully on its contents, mm. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if they make reference to something that you don't quite remember. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, in preparation for this call, I was like, I was looking through it again. Um, because I mean the, the whole thing is like it's like a it's like a um a barrow or mm. a or a labyrinth of of um topics mm. where like you can bounce to different terms in the dictionary and it'll bring you like deeper and deeper and usually the deepest that you go is the reference of some some alchemist that that the author was referring to right um and so like and so i i went in that direction and i was like and i was like coming across out al- like authors that i completely forgot about like mm. i had I, I i did not remember that those people existed but yeah you're you're writing um your writing outlives you and it crystallizes some part of you right it crystallizes yeah. you in a way that 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 nothing else that i don't think anything else really does yeah except for maybe a podcast <laughs> <laughs> i always used to say uh don't tell them talk to me about writing books people would say when are you going to write a book i'd say i have a podcast would you ask a person why he doesn't have a horse in the day and age when everybody has a car I finally wrote a book. Actually, it was touching a nerve because <laughs> I wanted to be a writer ever since I was a little kid. And, and then uh, you probably saw the post on Facebook. And, uh, you know, so, so yeah, it's like, it's a long time coming. I've written a lot of stuff and just posted it on Facebook, but uh, that doesn't really count. I mean, you know, but <laughs> I also published, I don't know if you this saw my dad's book, uh, Transformations, my dad's book he wrote in 1976. Yes. Yeah. So they're both on Amazon just for everybody else. Yeah. Uh, if you search for Reeb, <laughs> R-E-I-B, that's my name. It's also my dad's name. You'll get both of our books because it's not a common name. Uh, but if you search for uh, Edward Reeb, you'll get Thomas and the Wolf. You can search for Thomas and the Wolf. Scroll past Thomas Wolf's books, and then you'll see Thomas and the Wolf. And, uh, and then if you search for Transformations, scroll past the ones with the fancy pictures and find the one that just looks like a blank piece of paper that says Transformations, 1976. Bam, that's the one. And uh, $2 on Kindle, uh, $12 for the Thomas and the Wolf, $8 for transformations. The reason being the paper quality and the ink quality. Okay, sorry. End of ad. <laughs> That's no problem. Little random advertising you, thrown in there. You know, can you do style. Can you do an ad for the dictionary? Yes. Ta-da. So this is Josephinsky's. <laughs> Dictionary translated. Uh, how old is the French one? This is from French, right? Or yes, and that, that the the um, the the original edition is from 1758. Right, if okay. I'm remembering correctly. So so mm-hmm. since 1758, people who speak French have been able to enjoy this dictionary, which basically 
if you ever have read an alchemical document, uh, you, you'll know that there's so many terms that you're like, what, you know, like what the lizard in the bottle of the, you know, the, the, these Latin phrases that are like, huh? And you look up the Latin phrase and it means, you know, hot sand or hot water. And you're like, ah. and so, but if you, if you get yourself a copy of this mytho hermetic dictionary translated by Joe Zabinski, then, uh, then you can study all the alchemy and you can watch uh, now, even in pop culture, if you want to watch a Netflix show, you kind of have to have one of these around so you can know what the heck, <laughs> know what the, heck the young witches are talking about as they fight the werewolves yeah. and the vampires, you know, because yeah. all the and witches can, speak um, Latin, of course, you know, like in real if, life. If you follow, if you follow the threads through and actually, and actually um, uh, a friend of mine wrote the, he wrote a sort of uh, introduction or prologue to the work. Mm. Um, and he, and he talks about in there how, how you, can, you can pick any, any particular term mm. and then as long as it bounces to another term, you can, you can, uh, you can start to educate yourself. Wiki surfing. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And, then, and then you can, and you can get into the, it is an entrance, it is a portal into the world of 18th and 17th century alchemy. Mm. Nice. If you so desire to be. Yeah. Now, uh, William Wynne Westcott, Put together the Collectica Hermetica, uh, and the, the mm -hmm. Hermetic Arcanum uh, is part of that, I believe, um, or he called it the Hermetic Arcanum. I don't remember, uh, but but the, he put that together in the eighteen probably nineties. But uh, it was a collection of works from earlier, right? Do you happen to know how much earlier? Um, for Westcott, the Collectania Hermetica. Yeah, the ones we studied in Philosophers. I'm going to say, oh, oh, like the H. They were early, right? Yeah. Well, uh, well there was that, but yes. then there was the uh, the Hermetic Arcanum, I guess, is what I'm thinking of. And uh, and and Hermes Trismegistus is pretty old. There there was a rumor uh, yeah. that it was based on the Picatrix, but I don't think that's true. There, there's some commonality, well, some some overlapping phrases, but there's too many differences between them. Man, I have to remind myself of of the contents of that. I'm pretty um, sure that it was all, I'm pretty sure that it was mostly 17th century stuff. Yeah. Um, now I have to go and look. The Divine Pymander of Hermes Trismegistus. I, I don't know if you, maybe you missed that. Uh, you, have you ever heard of uh, the Source family? Have I heard of? The Source family, they it? made a documentary, the, the, the Source family. There was a restaurant in Hollywood in the 1970s, and they all were vegetarian and wore white robes. And their 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 leader was a, a white guy with a big beard, and uh, he was named Yahoah. And uh, they had names like Isis and Jin and uh, and Maat, all the 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 culties. They got up to 120 members before the leader passed away. What a brilliant idea! Can you imagine if our if our cult leader had passed away before he really went dark? You know. Then we'd just be a bunch of wow. like we'd be a bunch of confused orphan, you know, uh, yeah, the, you know. I mean, so so the, the way it happened with the Source family. I mean, he wasn't a perfect guy. Obviously, he, he, there were some pe people that thought he did bad things, and other people who thought, oh, well, you know. So there, there's people that that defend him and say, you know, yes, he was dark, but that means he was human. All humans have dark side. Mm -hmm. He did bad things. Mm -hmm. I do bad things. You do bad things. But he's the head of my cult, and the, you know, and uh, then there was the people that were like, 
he did bad things. I'm not going to keep the name Strawberry. I'm going to go back to being Brett Johnson and uh, pretend that period of my life never happened. And so of the 120 people that were in the cult, you end up with some people going that way and other people going that way. And the, of the people that went this way, that, that are still to this day actively a member of the cult that hasn't been around since 1975, um, one of them is uh, Jin Aquarian. And uh, he was the guitarist in the band Yohoa 13, where the cult leader would would sing, oh, and they'd bang on a drum and there'd be someone going, dee, 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 dee. it was the seventies, you know? And uh, so that guy, uh, yeah. I, he, he called me up at, at the Screen Actors Guild and he was like, I wanna sue Isis. I don't know how much of this I should be talking about. It was a few years ago. He's like, I need to sue Isis Aquarian because she's putting out a documentary about my beloved cult that, uh, that I disagree with. And I think that it should, it should, they should have a different approach but she's using my music. I can hear myself playing guitar in this, fucking documentary and I was like oh yeah I'm totally familiar with the whole thing and I can understand why you're upset you know and I, I really love how he combined you know kundalini yoga with uh with builders of the Adam style Paul Foster Casey and Golden Dawn Magic I mean what a synthesis I was always trying to 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 breed uh something out of uh, traditional Golden Dawn with with Vajrayana Buddhist you know Tibetan uh you know uh, uh Nyingma tradition and so I always felt a commonality and in fact I had a band at my house when I, in, you know, and I thought I thought I had was the first person to think, hey, let's do Eastern and Western and have a band and we'll all, you know, take acid and all this stuff. And he's like, who are you? And I'm like, I'm the guy, I'm the secretary at Screen Actors Guild who answered the phone, you know, just now. And uh, and, and he's, he's like, and you know, Isis Aquarian? I'm like, actually, she's on her way here right now. I'm meeting with her in half an hour. And he's like, what you know and so it's like yeah she's coming over to meet me because i run the la sanctuary of the golden dawn and zarathustra Aquarian. he's like you know zarathustra Aquarian? i'm like yeah and uh and so he i he i told him you know you guys are lucky and he said why and i said when you're in a 120 year old cult you end up with with names that are like your name is latin for he who gazeth upon the lamp that sits upon the mantle of the lord you know but you guys have cool names like isis and Jin and you know like, and so he said would you like me to give you a name in the aquarian family in the, in the source family and I said, oh no I way i love that i would love that yeah and so he got off the phone and he wrote me about a half an hour later and said congratulations you are pymander aquarian Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Now I have so to I find that guy. That there's this, hmm. this is there's this part of me. It only comes out every once in a while, but but there's the, there's this part of me that would like to like just sort of go full tilt, like like just just find as many as many strange cults as you can. And yeah. just like join all of them <laughs> and just like sort of like see what happens because it would be a fun adventure. Yeah. Here's what we can do. You become my part-time co-host for Esoteric yeah. Nerd. I, I, it's not okay. a paying job. It's volunteer. But then we can seek out every weirdo, the, 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 uh, those, the, the UFO folks the uh oh man you know, and then uh and robbie occasionally we will interview uh people that he's connected to in california so i don't know i'm just putting it out there like we could we could maybe uh keep you know uh put invites out or you know i mean because the thing is like at what point because there's a lot of people these days in the new age world and spiritual world who really want to harp on these anti-vax issues and you know and uh and kind of the the stuff that is sort of poison 
in the uh, collective conscious, you know, in the in the in the uh, the web. And I, I don't want my channel to be another means by which, you know, uh, information that is destructive to people, sure. uh, yeah. you know, get through. So, so, I mean, but at the same time, maybe, maybe I should lighten up and just like, like you said, like, uh, what's his name? Art Bell, you know, like, uh, he, he doesn't yes. put up any resistance. Yeah. He just, he's like, wow, that's really interesting. Oh, we'll talk to you next week. You know, like, but you know that he must be thinking, this guy's full of shit. Well, sometimes, I mean, you know, like, our right. Guy, but but there's, 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 there's a thing, there's something to be said for, there's something to be said for contemporary anthropology. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. For looking for, at the weird for stuff just going listening on now. To people and, 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like listening to people and letting people express the folklore of, of modern times in the language that they want to express it in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, I think that, I think that first off, it would be a lot of fun because yeah, we would, yeah. you know, because like, because we'd be seeing so many things that you never get to see in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we, and we would have the opportunity to like, to like, to collect, to collect so many different, like so many different opinions and so many different experiences, you know? Yeah. yeah. And we probably learn a lot too. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, I think it would be fun. I think it would be interesting. I can already think of like, uh, I just off the top of my head, I could, I could think of like three or four people that like really need to be interviewed, mm. you know, like, yeah. like people, people, people that like, you know, they, they have something valuable to say. Um, they may not even, sometimes they don't even like realize that they have something valuable to say. Right. Um, yeah. But I think, I think like, like, yeah, there's, there's definitely, there's something to be said for, there's something to be said for bringing bringing more bringing more opinions in bringing in more yeah, people yeah. you know and exposing exposing more people to to uh to the to like like I said before to like a contemporary folklore yeah you know um yeah. i mean i call it that because um this uh so okay so this goes back to this is another this is another um this is another saint story Mm. uh i i had a saint i had a saint come to visit me in a dream and um and we had this long this long conversation and he and he's like he was a really interesting guy mm. he but he point he so so the the relevance to this to this topic is he pointed out to me that so i asked him i asked him about uh I asked him about the gospels, which is like, sort of like this, like kind of like obvious thing you should probably ask a saint. Like if you're talking to a saint, mm. right. If you want to learn something, because, because you have a version of the same right. literature that they do. Yeah. Right. And you can so say you're going to be able to learn Judas. Why does, no, I'm just kidding. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so <laughs> yeah. like, 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 and wh whatever literature it is that you have in common, if you ask mm. them about it, they'll give you your cut, their commentary on it sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And I asked him about, I asked him about the gospels and his, he said, he said, the gospels are Christianity. And I was like, and I was like, yeah, so they're, they're Christian. And he was like, no, you misunderstand. Mm. The gospels are Christianity. Mm. Christianity isn't like, like people have a lot of notions about what they think Jesus was like. 
what they think. And some people think that they, they still speak to Jesus and mm. all these different ideas. But he said, the gospels are Christianity. Like all of Christianity comes from these four books. Mm. And like, you know, so he starts to get into like, he starts to get into like, well, sometimes people like try to read the Bible from the Old Testament to the New Testament, but they're missing the point of the Christian Bible because the Christian Bible is just like, like the New Testament is the core of Christianity and, and that everything else like spreads from it, right? Mm. But my point is that he said, he said, the gospels are the core of Christian folklore. In other words, the characters from the New Testament were what inspired were what inspired the saints, not these historical people, the characters right. that are produced that are yeah. expressed in this literature, mm. right? The folklore is what built the religion. Mm. Um, and so and, and it really it really struck a deep chord with me that that folklore is actually you know, that, that like, even, even if you're like, even if you're an exoteric only orthodox Christian, that folklore is critically important to your religion. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I think that a lot of the, I think that that folkloric generation, the, the generation of folklore is still ongoing, mm. you know? Yeah. And then it's happening in the fringes. It's happening in the, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's happening in, you in, know, in, in a the way commander, Aquarians. In a way, Ron Watkins with his uh, QAnon was a little bit like Constantine. Oh, know. I see. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, you know, just as far as like taking every fringe conspiracy theory and idea and then trying mm -hmm. to like weave them all into one thing. I guess them that all was, together that, and monetize yeah, them. Yeah, that wasn't really Constantine exactly, but I thought it'd be a fun reference to make. That, that, I guess it's more like the early Christians kind of putting together, okay, we'll take this wreath from the Nordics and this from here and this from the Greeks and this from the, you know, and, and, and make the traditions around uh, Christianity that have nothing to do with the gospel or even uh, the, the acts or, or anything. Um, so, so similarly, and it kind of give, gives it a bad name, actually, because my dad, being a conspiracy theorist, used to be kind of cool. It used to be cool. I hate, you know, in the 80s, conspiracy theorists, like, I mean, they weren't, they weren't all on meth because they were all on, on crack. <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, like, they, they, it was the 80s. Like, it was like, it was pretty cool. It was a little edgy. You could be a normal person and then like, you know, yeah. hey, let's go out and have a couple of drinks. Let me tell you what I heard about the pyramid on Mars. You know, that face is happening. Yeah, I totally remember that. There's still, there's still like sections of the bookstore that are, that are dedicated to that form yeah. of conspiracy theory. Yeah. Like, exactly. it, like, whenever you find like the shelf that has like, behold a pale horse on it, uh, yeah. like, yeah. There's that's still the one, that, yeah. yeah. That's there's still that military-industrial complex style um, yeah. conspiracy. <laughs> but then now it's gotten organized and weaponized. You know, like it's yeah. it's so weird that there's actually politicians that kind of like hail it as their religion. You know, and and that that it actually is like a you have to consider not me i don't have to consider them so much i mean some of my viewers are are into QAnon and stuff but they seem they, they there are a few people that i'm aware of they think maybe i don't see them but they're totally into anti-vax totally into QAnon, and clicking hearts mm -hmm. heart heart on all my posts <laughs> and i'm very much not coming from that position and it's nice that they're willing to let me be part of their party even though i don't subscribe to the to the pudding i won't say kool-aid because that's uh 
sort of uh, disrespectful to had, the people who died. That has certain Venezuela. connotations. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, anyway, I, I did it again. <laughs> I, I don't you know don't, what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, you, you don't have to eat the pudding to right. appreciate the pudding. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I, I think that, I think that, I don't know. I think it's a great idea. And when things, I could already, I could. Yeah. When, when someone comes up with like, for example, you know, when anti-Semitism, uh, you know, flares up and becomes popular again, it seemed like, you know, when we were growing up, maybe I wasn't in the right neighborhoods to, to see, to see it, but it seemed like anti-Semitism was, was it, it's something from the history books that, that mm -hmm. it used to be, it used to be everywhere. And then there was Hitler and everybody realized, oh my God, anti-Semitism is bad. It's a bad idea. And yeah. now we all know that nobody, nobody likes the Nazis, you know, and then 20 years yeah. later, why are you wearing a Nazi flag? You know, like, and then suddenly it's very, very, that people are talking about uh, Rothschild again and stuff, you know, and, and, um, so, I mean, yeah, as far as that goes, like when, when it actually manifests in physical violence, when, when people get like that Pizzagate guy, the, the guy that came in and yeah. shot, shot all the people with the yeah. pizza, like that's when it gets, I don't know what the word is, scary, dark, ugly, um, but inevitable, I guess, you know, when you have, when you have like, you know, 20,000 people all in this shared fantasy and then you have people that are kind of mentally unstable and actually looking for a reason to go shoot a bunch of people. Um, right. Then right. These, these things don't mix well, you know. So no, I, 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 I uh, and it, it, surpri it surprises me just how, uh, I don't know how to put it. I mean, like it surprises me that the last 20 years have become so dark, mm, you know, mm. that, that the, because I, I'm like you, like like I, I remember I remember a time when like conspiracy theories were something were something uh, delightful that was passed around. <laughs> yeah, that was like passed around, you know, um, among intellectuals. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. And I guess I guess like saying that like it was almost like inherently at the time it was inherently harmless you know mm -hmm. like 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 the people who had the conspiracy theories their their intent was uh their intent was discovery and joy mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah sometimes maybe not joy but definitely always discovery always mm -hmm. like this always the seeking the truth yeah you know and, yeah. and it became it just it just became more and more paranoid mm -hmm. um until it's not necessarily about truth at all. Anymore. And then and it, guess, like, if, it adopted a lot of the same in, in the QAnon, uh, it adopted a lot of the same uh, terminology and uh, structure as evangelical American Christianity. Uh, you know, the Great Awakening was, a, was an 1800s thing in the evangelical, uh, you know, talking about the book of Revelation and the fear, they, I mean, the classic cult thing of I love you so much and you better, you know, like, like, like uh, the fear and comforting at the same time, like God loves you and you're going to go to hell, you know, unless you go to church because God loves you, <laughs> you know, sort of like we need to you know, like if you, if you don't acknowledge that the pedophiles are, you know, I mean, like sort of that QAnon sort of us or them mentality that, that they kind of fall into that it, it, it kind of falls apart upon 
scrutiny. They think they're winning the argument until they're actually a congressperson and uh, <laughs> the, the rest of Congress is like looking at them going, okay, here's why everything you say is totally batshit. You know, like <laughs> it was kind of nice to watch that. But anyway, I don't know. It's a weird world. But the darkness, I kind of, I, I found all of these, I have them. I found out when in 1999, I was so starry eyed about the internet. I thought that uh, it was going to solve all the problems of the world, you know, and uh, but I mean, and, and I also kind of like, well, there'll probably be some bad things that come with it, too. I and, and the thing was, I had it backwards, you know, like I, I uh, you know, it's a there's going to be a shitload of bad things that come with it and unexpected things. And, and there's some good stuff, too. I mean, the fact that we're having this conversation in real time. The fact that Uber, yeah. I mean, not to say that, uh, you know, uh, the gig economy, you know, that's not necessarily a step forward, but, um, uh, the, but yeah, I mean, the GPS being so accurate that you can have something like Uber exist or, uh, or that we can, I mean, this is almost real time. I think there's a maybe half second, one second delay, but, um, but it's amazing, you know, and, and, uh, and, uh, so there, there, there are definitely positive things and people can, I think what it is, uh, what just, just to put it very uh, simply is people who used to be the only weirdo in their school can connect with 20,000 other people just like them, whether they're mm. into My Little Pony or swastikas, you know, the, the good kind or the bad kind, you know, um, yeah. that's the, so that's, there is the double-edged sword is, uh, is, you know, like the the incels, you know, like uh, all these different phenomena that keep coming up and then occasionally getting violent. And then I judge them to be evil because of the violence, because by their fruits shall you know them. And that doesn't apply to the Christian. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's like the, the sheer number. How many people get violent based on that particular form of nationalism? You know, it's like it's... A, is it worse or better than, and you know, I don't know. I don't know. I remember my mom telling me that back in the day when the Red Scare was, uh, when everybody was, you know, on, on the marching to the same drum, um, McCarthy, the Mac Mac MacArthur, Mac no, MacArthur was the Korean War. McCarthy was the, anyway, the, the communist guy. I'm not the guy. <laughs> McCarthy was the communist guy, the anti-communist guy, the Euro-communist guy. Um, and so my mom is sitting at the table with her dad was saying, you know, Jesus uh, wanted people to, to help the poor, right? You know, well, yeah. Didn't Jesus say it's uh, better, that, you know, that, that it's easier for, for a camel to pass through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven? Yeah. Doesn't he sound a lot like Karl Marx? <laughs> and her dad was like, no, no, those are totally different. <laughs> she was just kind of poking, you know, like just to see what he'd say, you know. But uh, yeah, that, that, those boomers getting on the nerves of the greatest generation, different time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the young boomers, <laughs> teenage boomers. Oh. Time. So I have, um, um, yeah, I would love to co-host some of these. I, oh, yeah, I don't know, yeah. I don't know how many, but I think oh. I think it would be great fun. Yeah, sometimes um, I do more, sometimes I do less. Uh, if you have anyone in mind, uh, you know, or any organization that that would be interesting to look at, um, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm open. I'm open to whatever, you know. Okay. I have. Um, so there's this. Oh, I'll, I'll send, I'll send you more information. Yeah. Later. 
Yeah. Uh, and uh, for then, the people like, watching, listening, you know, you're hearing this, you know, get in touch with us if you're, if you, uh, you know, are running a, mm. a small, you know, um, fringe, uh, you know, religious organization out of your basement, give us a call, <laughs> you know, like, uh, let's, sure, let's see absolutely. what you're doing, you know, yeah. like if you're in the, if you're writing, you want to book, hear your story. Yeah. If you're, you're writing your, um, your manifesto or you know, whatever it is, and, you know, uh, whichever camp you're coming from, um, there might be some cases where we'd be, you know, be like, oh, we don't really want to interview people who actually sacrifice human babies. Um, you know, so there, there, we, we might discover, we might discover some lines that we don't want to cross, but I, other than I have that, a feeling, uh, I have a feeling that probably we're going to have like some dark interviews, but, but, um, but I mean, like, it, yeah. it's going to come, I feel like it's going to come with the territory. Yeah. You know? There's one a few um, episodes back where a guy's talking about how he likes to uh, offer rum and, and tobacco to old Civil War soldiers uh, because they, they're really well, good at following orders. You know, they, I mean, no, he, was, he was talking about old soldiers and then I, I made the leap to Civil War, you know. But, but yeah, like talking about using uh, necromancy, classic, ne classic uh, raising oh, sure. of the dead to uh, do mm -hmm. your do your bidding so, yeah mm -hmm. we, we, and I'm like how did I end up interviewing this guy he was someone recommended him but I was being some kind of purist I was being like no I want every guest on the esoteriner to be an intelligent you know uh, uh person who's good, a person of moral upright high moral character yeah yeah but uh, yeah but yeah no we, but but it, yeah yeah well I am sure that we will have a variety of, of wonderful guests. Yeah, that sounds um, good. A new era of esoteric nerd. <laughs> yeah. Esoteric nerd too. Yeah. Now there's two of them. <laughs> we're in the 100s. So it's uh, <laughs> the first few were, oh, uh, this was a gift from, I think she was episode six, Sauri. Um, her parents made this. So if anybody's oh, okay. wondering about, it's a, it's a uh, traditional kimono. But it looks a little it's bit beautiful. like the chief adept robes, so I like to, you know, kind of. It totally does. The, yeah. and I actually, I or actually the prefer the. Hmm. What's that? Or the premonstrator. Oh, that was made by a premonstrator. In the, no, no, no. Uh, the, during the equinox, when everybody has to leave the room, and then the premonstrator puts the her, puts the rose cross on, the premonstrator is wearing a blue robe. So this is either chief adept oh. or, or premonstrator during the little mm -hmm. five minute part in the middle of the equinox. Sorry, I, I mean it's, it's it's pretty good for what you're for what you're doing in either case, yeah. right? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I like it, and it's got I, that I, I like it. Western thing, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like what you got going on. It's not on too. black or white. That's true. What's yeah. that? It's the same color as. Uh... <laughs> oh yeah, hey. yeah. It's all the layers, the deeper yep. and deeper layers. Of... Oh, and Thomas and the Wolf. For those nobody's picked up on, I've, I've, there's so many little things for people to discover, and nobody's discovering. Nobody, nobody. There's thousands. There's so many layers. No. So Thomas and the Wolf. What does it make you think of? Right. It reminds you that there was a, an orchestral thing. This I is mean, the, the flute. It makes me think of flute. It makes me think of Peter in the Wolf. Yes. And the very first thing mm. that Thomas mm -hmm. says in Thomas and the Wolf is for Pete's sake. <laughs> Nobody got it. Nobody oh, got wow. it. <laughs> the first words out of his mouth are for Pete's sake. So <laughs> so my um when my when my uh when my dictionary is published, mm. I had like all these. 
I had like all these anxieties and I had all this excitement because I was yeah. like, people are going to read this people who have read the original French and they're going to criticize my translation. Right. Mm. And I was like, well, I don't want them to criticize this, but I'm, I'm ready for them to do it. You know, and I'm ready to, I'm ready to make the second edition and make the improvements that they suggest. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Not a word, <laughs> not a one. <laughs> and that was completely basis, baseless anxiety. Oh, I have, I have one person on Facebook who's contacted me regarding the dictionary. Mm. She's brilliant. Mm. She, we definitely need to interview her. Okay. Not because she's a fan, but because right. she's, she's, she's brilliant in her own right. Mm. But like, you know, out of all the dictionaries that were sold, one contact. Mm. Yeah. I remember when, uh, yeah, when, I, when I was a kid and I was teaching at the sanctuary, I used to complain to Gordon because I was, I was, I had the, uh, you know, the, the disease, I inherited the disease that was sort of in the Golden Dawn group that we came from. And it, one, one aspect of it was I was hungry for, to, to have a hundred students, a thousand students. I wanted to build a temple. I wanted to buy the Scottish Rite place on Wilshire and have that be the, the, the place where I teach. And yet only five or six people four to six people were coming to my house every Friday and I was teaching four to six people every Friday consistently for years or for, you know, for months. And, uh, and Gordon, I, I, he heard me complaining and he, he, you know, looked at me and he said, you know, a human being is an entire universe, you know, like you can't count heads, you're counting heads and then taking a loss because of accounting, you know, like, and, and, and just ignoring the fact that you have six whole universes in front of you and you get to teach mm. them, you know? And, uh, and it changed my perspective. It, 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 he helped me to see better about that. So, so yeah, you've got that one person. That's great. <laughs> That's an entire- well, Right, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. Instead of complaining that you, that you don't have, you know, hundreds of people who yeah. are corresponding with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got the one. Yeah. And it's annoying one, having hundreds. Know? Oh, I don't recommend having hundreds of people corresponding with you. It sucks. <laughs> having five people sucks. You know, like uh, one is right, a good number, right. one or three, but you know, hundreds. I've done that. That's that's it's very stressful. I remember one time I was driving down the freeway and I got a phone call and I, I mean, Todd was sitting next to me. And I picked it up and I was like, "Hello? Oh, oh, right. Yeah, that was today. Sure." yeah, I'm ready for the test, you know, and I'm like, driving along, I'm like, okay, so tell me about the tool you made in this grade, because I have no idea what grade they're in, and uh, okay, you know, and then I, add, oh, oh, they're Fioricus, okay, they made a dagger, okay, okay, so how's your body of light? All right, well, you know, it sounds like you know your stuff, just uh, shoot me an email, and uh, if you could just spell out your full name and your 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 latin motto in the email and uh you know and i hang up the phone and todd is like you are a terrible proctor <laughs> it like, wasn't that bad i just had hundreds of students literally you know? yeah so yeah wow that could be yeah bad. i remember that <laughs> just the like all the i didn't i never had hundreds i yeah. doesn't yeah, yeah um and it was like it was such a 
it was very interesting. It was like, it was like you were just working as a teacher in basically a formal school. Like, mm. you know, people would come to you and you don't necessarily know, remember who they are because yeah. you haven't heard from them in two years or something. And yeah, but you know, yeah. but they have, uh, but they have had a recent revelation that they would like to discuss with you, mm. you know? And so, okay, well, you get to, you get to go have that, you get to go have that discussion. You know? yeah. I yeah. think, honestly, I think that, I think that being a proctor taught me a lot about it taught me a lot about expect, accepting a lot of different perspectives. Yeah. Um, just because like, I was the same way. I would get that phone call sometimes where I wouldn't even really know who I was talking to. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, but it kind of forces you into a neutral frame of mind. Right? Like, yeah. Okay, well, <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, like you have to figure out like, okay, where are they? Where are they grade wise? Mm. Um, um, what, and then of course, of course, like, like our particular school was like levels of secrecy, right? right. And yeah. you had to navigate that secrecy all yeah. the time, yeah, all yeah. the time. It was yeah. like working, it was, it was like working for like 70% school and 30% intelligence agency, <laughs> um, where like, like you had, you had to determine like the level of secrecy that this person was at, Yeah, you know? And in some ways that secrecy was like horrible, and, but, and, but in other ways, in other ways it was, it was useful sometimes. And, you know, it, it, it's really weird. You know, I mean, I, I, it, it's a thing that has been given to me by my own actions in this life that I have a memory of before Edward Snowden did his thing. When was he? Was that 2015 or 13 or? Well, anyway, was, was it that late? I, I was going to uh, say maybe it was earlier. Late. Maybe it was earlier. Like mid But bef before that, before he did that, when people would leave the order and publish uh, personal correspondences between people uh, that were in a group, in a group conversation, mm -hmm. but a group conversation that was supposed to be secret, and then they would post them on Alt Magic or something. And then uh, we would get the call and, and we would all meet at the temple and do some kind of really terrible dark Martian magic attack on them. And, right. um, yeah. and that's exactly what, uh, you know, the conspiracy theorists are paranoid about the government doing, you know, when, uh, when, when someone like Edward Snowden uh, blows the whistle. And so, so yeah, I mean, that, I guess that, that, that definitely can make one humble. When I was, when I was 17, I thought that I could do no wrong, you know, uh, but, but now I, I, I can look back and see great wrong, you know, and at the time, what was I doing? I was following orders, you know, I was, uh, right. I, I, yeah. I was, my whole social network was built on the back of, of, of an oath that if I, that, you know, if I got kicked out at that time, that meant other people weren't allowed to talk to me. That meant my whole, I mean, yep. uh, it's like so there's some voodoo uh, stuff like that in in Brazil that I've read about. I don't have direct experience of that, but it's the same kind of thing where if you if you do something wrong, you break one of the rules, you look at someone the wrong way, that kind of thing, especially the head guy, mm -hmm. then uh, you find yourself um, like in a biblical way as the outcast from the community, where where people exactly. that were your best yeah. friend and your sister and your lover, you know, aren't speaking to you in, in such a cold way, and they think that you have gotten possessed. You know, and, and they're the one doing the black magic on you. It's like so fucked. 
I mean, by they, I mean me. Yes. I was on the other side of that. I was on both. I, I, when I left, I left gracefully. So I don't think anybody was doing any attack magic on me, but um, but I did participate <laughs> in a lot of that dark shit, you know, sending clopothic uh, yeah. energies by name, in the name of God, from inside of a mm -hmm. Solomonic circle to go into the minds of people who were related to the people that were in our order, you know? People that were blood relatives and people that were former former husbands and wives. And I, I, I think I've, I've alluded to this, but I, this is the first time I'm really pouring out about it on, on the podcast. Is, is, yeah. And it was kind of part of the motivation for creating the podcast is sort of a lot of these yeah. weird unresolved issues. And what do you do yes. when, yeah. when you find out that you're the yeah. bad guy, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yes, yes. Yeah. You and I share, you know, you, you, I, I I don't know why I didn't think that this would come out, but like you and I share a lot of the same traumas, mm, you know, yeah. a lot of the same, like, like this, this just, just a lot of the same, like just fucked up things. Um, like, I mean, I mean, you, you know, you, you left gracefully. Mm. Um, you left grace. I, I left like a, I left, I left like I fell out the window. Mm, a thief in the night. <laughs> a thief well, in the night. I raged against the I raged against the guy we call Voldemort uh, here on the podcast uh, quite a lot. But then he split from, uh, you know, the guy that was running ISIS, uh, uh, TDL, um, and mm. so 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 it was an order mm. headed by TDL that I left gracefully. I don't think it's possible to leave an order headed by Voldemort oh. gracefully. You have to leave like a thief in the night, and uh, no. you know. What you have you to leave, either leave like a thief in the night or you leave by like slaughtering those around you. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I am, I am happy to speak about things like this. Mm. In fact, I'm glad that we are mm. and I hope that we do more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, we will. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Oh, so much, so much, so much emotion. There's just so much emotion about the whole thing, right? It was like, it was a big part of our lives. Yeah. It was, it, it was, we, we, we were each other's family. We were, we, we, we were each other's colleagues, uh, each other's associates, you know, mm -hmm. um, it all, it all went to hell. Uh, it all went to heaven. It just, mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot. It's yeah. a lot. Yeah. Such, such such a contrast between and it's interesting when i because obviously there's not a lot of golden dawn you know uh in the world but there's there's other organizations with similar dynamics where there's like for example in vajrayana in the shambhalaya there's secrecy you know and you're supposed to do what your teacher says and so those you know secrecy plus do what your teacher says means that if you're if you're blowing the whistle then you're the bad guy by definition, you know? And that's sort of a little bit like what our situation was. And, um, mm -hmm. and so, you know, when I was young, I just, I smelled the incense from a Tibetan temple and I saw the beautiful art and heard the chanting and, and the bells. And I just thought it was nothing but beauty. And it turns out mm -hmm. uh, it's not, you know, it also has darkness. It turns out it's human, you know, it turns out uh, 
Not, right, yeah. Not only is it human, but there's you can find hierarchical structures with real creeps at the top, just like in the West. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so you know then then that's nice because then then I can reflect on my own experience in Golden Dawn and compare it with an experience that I'm hearing about from someone else who who had those issues with uh, with in Tibetan Buddhist cults and. Uh, you know, and feel like I'm not so alone and feel like the experience I had was something of a universal human experience, though not one that everybody gets to experience. Mm -hmm. um, and it definitely taught me a lot. I mean, I, I am definitely allergic to cults in my, uh, in my present, as far as my own interaction with them, like they can mm -hmm. exist, that's fine. But, um, you know, someone invites me to one the second time I won't go, just the first time, maybe, you know, like I'll go check it out, but I'm not coming weekly. You know what I mean? Like, um, I do. Someone asked yeah. me to, if I wanted to participate in a Dungeons and Dragons, you know, uh, a Zoom on a, on a, you know, scheduled basis. And I was like, oh, you know, like that's too much like, uh, sounds too much like a cult to me, you know, <laughs> but yet I, I bought all the Dungeons and Dragons stuff and I'm aching to play, but someone's like, oh great, let's play on Tuesdays. I'm like, mm, scheduling is bad for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I actually, I, um, over the pandemic, I started to play Dungeons and Dragons with my family. Oh, good. So it's like a, yeah, yeah. But it's totally a family thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it's, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like family dynamics built into it, but it's, it's a lot of fun. How fun. Yeah. I, I got all yeah. the stuff and I read, started reading the books and everything, but they, I think it really helped me, uh, with writing actually, like, uh, a lot of the things that felt like wasting time, like the years that I spent watching YouTube and keeping up on all the politics and BS going on in America, I was like, why am I wasting my energy on this? And then, uh, you know, that, but then when I got into Dungeons and Dragons, I was like, I'm enjoying this. And I started to realize the story, the potential, like when someone learns to play or learns to be a DM, they're also learning to be a, a writer and a director, you know, like they, they you can basically yeah. go directly from DM to, uh, Netflix, you know, or, 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 right, or, or yeah. theater, you know, yeah. it's like really, or Golden Dawn even like there's, there's so much uh, crossover. And uh, so I think like learning about and thinking about all the different mm -hmm. possible dynamics and the dice and, and it, it, it frees up a certain part of the mind that was, that, that allowed me to finally put, you know, write, write a book, you know, write, write a cohesive thing, <laughs> a story. And uh, and and I do I I I I should give a, a shout out to Dan Harmon's story arc, story circle. I I uh, I enjoy that. He took the uh, he took the uh, Carl Jung's or no, what's his name? Joseph Campbell's Here with a Thousand Faces. You know how he broke down that the the basic structure of every heroic myth, and then Robert McKee took that and made a story. So to show the basic structure of every heroic myth that's in every 22 minute, you know, uh, uh, piece of crap that they put on television, you know, and so now, <laughs> now, now everybody's very intentionally telling the same story arc that's in Oedipus Rex and Antigone, you know, but tw the 22 minute version <laughs> and, and every single one, it's like, oh, there's the underdog. Okay. Oh, he's uh, you know, call, call to adventure. That's good. Okay. Here's the 
unexpected, okay, here's the third act surprise. And the, oh, okay, now he's returning home, having changed. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, what do I want to watch again? Okay, oh, there's the underdog. <laughs> oh, here's the inciting incident, the call to adventure. You know, it's like, hmm, maybe I should just like meditate <laughs> or something. <laughs> do bonsai or something, you know, like, I don't know if I should keep, over again. keep rerunning these uh, ancient Greek things. Mm -hmm. I mean, Thespis, hey, listen, Thespis was an oathbreaker, you know. They, Thespis they, was an oh right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When he, when they brought him up to the mountaintop and the gods shouted at him, you know, and then he was like, "This, I'm going to do this at the Colosseum," you know. He's a fucking thalamite. <laughs> so, oathbreaker, the the Judean people's front. <laughs> We're the people's front of Judea. <laughs> Split up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway should we wind up i think we've been talking for four hours or something i don't even know uh, yeah we've been we've been going a while now yeah yeah, yeah. it's a good um, one sure i'm glad to get back in touch i don't think i'm going to edit this i'm gonna leave no leave it, i'm gonna leave it raw <laughs> leave it raw i don't oh, think I, I don't think I, I don't think there's anything to there might be a couple parts where i where i look foolish but uh nothing where i said anything you know too terrible or outed anybody too much i don't think i don't think that there's anything forbidden that i that i brought up or yeah i don't i don't feel like too much of a yeah yeah <laughs> i don't yeah, feel like good. i presented myself badly yeah well, i'm happy to not too much like touch. an idiot maybe just I, 78 or 80 percent that's fine you you've popped into my mind very often over the years and uh and i've always kind of felt ever since i mean back because back then i was in the i stayed in when you left you know so the mm -hmm there yeah. was at that time psychologically and whatever the dynamics were i wasn't in a place where i was going to write to you and then that fucked up someone that's such a close no, friend I, uh, and a brother and then i know they, you i know I, I totally understand i really do i really do because yeah. i didn't either yeah you know i i didn't either because i knew like i knew like <sighs> i knew that that's where everybody's head was yeah you know and that's where my head was. And yeah. I had no idea what I was doing. You yeah. Know? I, I mean, it took. It... <sighs> well, you were in the crucible. It for took a, a tremendous weeks. amount for me, to, for me to leave in the first place. A trip to Washington um, will do it. Yes. <laughs> yes, it will. Yes, it will. Especially if you I mean, have to it's, stay it's... there. Jesus. Oh, I yeah, can't even I imagine know. what and that was like... like. I. I, honestly, I would still love to, I mean, it's, it's like in, in some ways I would love to touch base with a lot of the characters that I met there, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, well, some of them are watching you right now. <laughs> Anyone you want to say hello to maybe first names or, you know. Oh man. I have to think back to all yeah, that yeah. time ago. Yeah. It was uh, uh, one more time. Uh, uh. <laughs> it was 2002 right when you when you left or was it 01 yeah 02 yeah okay have i blocked yeah. i must no i haven't blocked their names i just haven't thought <laughs> yeah Sabrina, so there was a, I think, was there, was, there was a there was a certain um overweight uh former jehovah's witness who had a, a green car that you probably would remember from washington um yes i remember him yeah, yeah. Cool guy, actually. I uh, his, his, his name comes to mind. Calio. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I um, miss that guy. Yeah, okay. there were the the kids up in uh, in Vancouver that are still the kids up in Vancouver, but their temple is has a different affiliation. I won't say any more about that. But you I know, it's funny. The one episode. the one group of people, the one group of people that I would love to touch base with again the most. <laughs> I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that, should I? Because there's a lot of groups. No, of it's all right. Yeah. Um, but like, like the, the people, the people that consistently, I just, I always had a warm place in my heart for the kids in Vancouver. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm sure one of them is watching this. I, right I, I don't think. Sure. Like, yeah. like I, I think, I think everybody, <laughs> everybody with everybody else, we were like, we were all like sort of like battle weary. And we mm. were like, and we, and we were all like sort of cynical and, and tired. Yeah. Yeah. But, but the they were Vancouver, they, they had their own thing going. I yeah. think because, I think because of uh, Memdu all day, Nineveh Shadrach, the uh, founder of that temple, he had his, he had a different, he was a zealot. He was the real thing. I mean, he was, uh, you know, as yeah. far as he was, he wanted to build an occult order and do it in a very yeah. fascist way. And I only, I mean that in only the best possible way. I don't, you know, I, what I'm saying is he didn't have his ego in it. He just said, let's, let's, yeah. in a, using, using the, using a very militaristic style, build an intense cult order. I mean, that was just what I, if you're watching this, Nineveh, I, I don't mean to insult you at all. You know, I'm just being, uh, <laughs> being an ass here. But what I mean to say is that the, the, the temple you started, sir, um, you know, had a different current had a different energy and it was yeah. desirable as compared to the temple of isis down in california there was a certain yeah. something in vancouver something in the water up there that made it uh very special like uh like like yeah there's there's a combination of 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 love and nurturing and um um i don't know they too. just they consistently put their best foot forward yeah um and uh i don't know i, I was i was always Plus there were French I don't know how people there. Yeah. I was always treated very well. Yeah. And, and the best parts of myself always got to come out whenever, whenever the Vancouver kids were involved. Yeah. And then, oh, what was that? Jesus of Montreal, the, the, the guy who plays Jesus, the actor, looks just like Marcel. <laughs> so I always enjoyed that. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. 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 I thought it was him at first. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, listen, my um yeah, my Tell computer is getting ready to pass. Oh, I away. thought you were gonna say your wife is <laughs> he's being impatient. We, we remember we were, we were texting for like six hours yesterday. And uh yes, yeah, yeah. and I, yeah. I I was she she knew about you already, actually. And and uh so I was oh really yeah, she was glad that we were talking and and uh, but oh, yes, we, yeah, like, I'm glad I'm glad that we're talking to you. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, our first conversation sure. in 16 years, of course, it's gonna be five hours, you know. So, all right yeah. yeah well let's 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 spread it out into several three-hour conversations yes how about that yes let's do it <laughs> <laughs> sounds good and then uh, i'll let you know uh, if i see any wacky characters uh that we might interview together um sometimes i do co-host with robbie um we maybe the three of us can do a conversation sometime um and uh but yeah i mean as far as like very fringe and interesting and unusual uh uh, egregores th that mm -hmm. we could we could make that our kind of our mission statement as you know like uh when you, the ones you co-host will try and get you know people people maybe we knew that'd be nice or people that are I coming, think so yeah coming from a really bizarre background and yep. <clears throat> those those yep. vancouver kids i've asked them they won't come on my podcast um uh fred, <laughs> fred or rc's been on three or four times i think but uh oh, but okay the, but the others uh, you know they just want to keep a low profile 
Um, but yeah. there's there's some others that I didn't that aren't from our group, but they're uh, they have a relationship with the people that used to be from our group up in Canada, mm. and they're called the Thuban Temple. And uh, and I interviewed them a while back. They're very interesting. Thuban, cool. Thuban being the the north, something in the north. Um, is it the North Star? I think because they're because they're in Canada, you know. So, uh, but they're they're trying to put together like a a ragtag. Um, like a, 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 a union of Golden Dawn orders that aren't the Cicero's or Griffin or Zinc. Like, <laughs> so all the okay. other, or, or you know, yeah. the, the other ones, so that, so that if you're from that fringe order in the garage, then you can come to an initiation at my fringe order in my garage because we all agree on basic tenets and none of us are affiliated with the Cicero's. So that, that's a kind of interesting mission statement they've got going on. <laughs> I mean, that's the, so it's sort of the subtext. That is pretty cool. And I'm putting it in a very loose way. Uh -huh. and I don't mean to. I don't mean to talk badly about anybody. Just, uh, just being an ass up here. So, so anyway. Okay. <laughs> Thank okay. you. On that note, I gotta run. Okay, brother. <laughs> we'll talk soon. Thank you so much for coming on here. Thanks, Edward. Of course, of course. Talk again soon. Talk again soon. Okay. <sighs> well, thank you very much, Joseph. Zabinski for being our guest tonight on the Esoteric Nerd Podcast. And thank you as always to Susumu Ueda and his father and the other monks at Jofukuin for the music you're hearing right now. Thank you to Camille and Kennerly for the harp music uh, that you heard at the beginning and end of the interview itself. And um, uh, yeah, if you if you don't mind staying uh, to the end, if you want to hear a little bit more about this, I want to I, I, I have a, a pitch that I can uh, put at the end here. And um, yeah, just check it out. Amazon.com, Thomas and the Wolf. It's worth it. I promise it's worth it. And also transformations and uh, the mytho hermetic dictionary that uh, that our guest wrote. And uh, is there anything else? I guess we'll cut to the outro stuff, the stuff about Thomas and the Wolf. Again, uh, thank you all for tuning in to Esoteric Nerd Podcast tonight. And um, until next time. Hello, and welcome back to those who know me and uh, to those who don't. It's very nice to meet you. I'm Edward Reeb. Uh, today, I published my first book, Thomas and the Wolf. It's uh, not very thick, as you can see. Actually, this is a piece of paper. Uh, I don't have a hard copy of it myself, and I'm going to have to wait a few weeks because I live in India. And uh, But you can probably get it in four to five days if you're in U.S. or Canada or U.K. or, you know, any place like that. Thomas is active on what has come to be known as left tube. In other words, he's a... Uh, a YouTuber who derives their sense of mission and purpose from directly addressing falsehoods and, and, and this sort of thing um, on the right side of the political spectrum, generally speaking, um, whether that be politicians or uh, other YouTubers uh, on the other side of the spectrum. Um, the Wolf is, he's not exactly the QAnon shaman, but let's just say that this book takes place in an alternate, sort of a stylized, fictional universe, uh, heavily based on 2019 United States of America. 
and uh, and in that universe, he wears a he wears a wolf headdress instead of a buffalo headdress, and uh, he's a little bit of a different guy. But uh, so that's that's the two main characters here. I'm taking a risk with my hair. I know I usually do something with it. It's still in that awkward in between phase where it's not long yet. But anyway, <clears throat> so uh, this book is a tale of these two very interesting and very uh, different uh, Americans, very different characters, uh, and it tells a tale of how they met and uh, what happened, what they discovered, uh, they, it was something unexpected, and, uh, and how they became partners in crime. I hope you enjoy it, and please do leave a, a review on Amazon. I wrote it in the spirit of hoping that that it could help, uh, you know, a little, help each of us to be able to see the other as a bit more human, and uh, that's all. If you're at all hesitant, then what I recommend is, uh, you know, get the Kindle one. And even if you don't have a Kindle, there's a free app you can download on your phone. You can read it. It's 50 pages. It's a quick read. And uh, then if you dig it, then, uh, you know, pick up a paperback copy. If you know me, then you know that you can trust me when I say just get the paperback. You won't regret it. Thank you for watching this video. The link to the book is in the description. Until next time.